from the high desert and the great American Southwest. I bid you all good evening or good morning, as the case may be, across this great land from the Tahitian and Hawaiian Island chains in the west, eastward to the Caribbean and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Good morning in St. Thomas, south into South America, north all the way to the pole and worldwide on the Internet. This is Coast to Coast AM, and I'm Art Bell. And it is great to be here. This night we have a lot to do, folks. We're going to start the hour off with Whitley Strieber and Vicki Lyons. And we've got a photograph on the Internet for you that you can go look at right now. We're going to be replacing it with a higher quality photograph shortly. It is of the Gulf Breeze area, and it is of a UFO. No question about it. And we're going to get the story that goes with that photograph shortly. But make your way on up to my website right away if you are computer handy. It is www.artbell.com. That's www.artbell.com. Then, in the next hour, we're going to talk with Daryl Sims. We heard from Daryl with uh, Dr. Lear. Daryl didn't get to say a lot during the course of that uh, first interview. And Daryl has been prominent in ufology, the hard a fact-gathering uh, part of ufology for a long time. And there are his detractors who suggest that he is not what he says he is, and we are going to disprove that tonight. If you go up and you look at uh, Daryl Sims' name on the website, you will find, um, just um, next to it, uh, that you can click on, a letter from... Um, let's see, the, is it the Department of Defense? I think it is. Department of the Army, actually, Office of the Adjutant General, uh, showing the moment when his top secret clearance, which he absolutely had, was converted, replaced, canceled, and replaced with a secret clearance. And that letter is on the website right now. I suggest you take a look, just in case... You're curious. He also included a copy of his DD-214, but we're not going to post that. So for Daryl Sims' critics, uh, a moment of uh, hard reality, which he enjoys serving up. Just one, a couple of quick notes. One, a major announcement of national significance that's going to blow your mind is going to be made Wednesday 5 o'clock on our brand-new affiliate in Las Vegas, Hot Talk 105.1. It'll be the Jim and Julie show. And this is for a very, very real reason, this announcement. So I would say uh, stay tuned tomorrow at 5, and tomorrow night we'll tell you what it's all about. Well, all right, now to San Antonio, Texas, uh, the best-selling, million-selling uh, uh, best-seller uh, author. Uh, we'll get it out. Whitley Strieber, communion, so much more. Whitley, welcome to the program. Glad to be back, Art. Uh, glad to have you. Uh, and what is the occasion, Whitley? What's happened? Well, something really interesting is happening in in really in two places. I'm just going to talk briefly about Phoenix, and then we'll go into Gulf Breeze. Uh, in uh, Phoenix, as you know, there have been a, a long rash of sightings. Recently, uh, a member, former member of the city council has come out on a, for re-election on a platform that she is going to demand disclosure. 
At the same time in Phoenix, there have been uh, a, a number of remarkable new UFO sightings, some very well-documented ones. Yes. Almost as if there's a response. Now, leave that. Uh, that, that would be, of course, Francis Emma Barwood uh, in Phoenix. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Francis Barwood. Let's go now down to Gulf Breeze. In the past uh, month or month and a half, I've been traveling around the country off and on with a photographer, Tim Greenfield Saunders, to various UFO hotspots. We've been making, writing an article and doing a photographic story for Life magazine. We got to our last hotspot, Gulf Breeze, the UFO sighting capital of the world. Yes. The site of the incredible Ed Walters uh, material, which was roundly debunked and turned out uh, a few months later to be almost indisputably true when a video was made by a couple from Houston of the same object uh, flying over uh, the area in broad daylight, uh, which was hardly noticed, of course, in the media, but I think most of your listeners know about it. I wonder how somebody like yourself gets lucky enough to travel the country to UFO hotspots. What a hard life. It was fabulous. It's incredible what's going on out there, Art. I mean, we have no idea. The the uh, media blackout on this subject is concealing one of the most fantastic, deeply disturbing and wondrous things that has ever happened in the history of this species. I know, and there's more and more of it. Uh, I, had, I did a show with Daryl Sims uh, and Dr. Lear the other night. Stupendous show. I hope you got to hear a little bit of it. Yeah. You know, you were talking a few minutes ago about Daryl Sims, and I would just like to say in his defense that uh, I have known him now for a couple of years, and I've never seen anything out of Daryl Sims except a really sincere effort to do something very hard. Well, he's looking at hard evidence, Whitley, and so they're coming after him like yes. crazy, but he's, like got, crazy. You know, he's got the documentation. He's also a very, very skilled hypnotist. He's quite good at it. Uh, when he, They say he's a certified hypnotherapist. He's one of the best I've ever seen. Okay. Anyway, here you were in Gulf Breeze. Gulf Breeze. It's the last of the five shoots. It's the last few minutes of the, of the last shoot. And I'm sit, standing there on the beach with the people from Project Awareness who have kept the, the sightings in Gulf Breeze alive for years and have become absolute experts in documenting these sightings. They're really, really well organized at this. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, gosh, you know, I've been working on this for 10 years. Tim's been joking with me about the fact that we've been all over the country and the UFOs never showed up. <laughs> this is the last shot. Right. The group of people we're, sh- we're taking photographs of are standing on the beach. None of them have seen a UFO over at this beach in years. And Tim is pointing his camera at them. It's the evening. And he casually points over his shoulder and says, look in that direction. And they all start yelling. I turn around, and there, hanging at about 20 degrees above the northern horizon, is the most incredible garnet red light, about three-quarters the brightness of Venus on a bright night. Hmm. Just hanging there. Just hanging there. Unexplainable. Beautiful. I mean, this red color was as—it was as red as the as the color on a on a on a light on a on a top of a water tower and as bright, but more beautiful. 
and you could see under it because it was the it was the evening when it wasn't pitch black. All right, so you you had some depth perception. Oh yeah, and uh, you know we're all startled. So this I, thing's hanging in the air. Yeah, and I think to myself, could that be a helicopter? Because there's helicopters with red running lights. I don't sure. see anything about this. Sure. I'm just waiting to see. The object moves. It, I believe it rose, and then it moved to the right, hung there for a while, and then it starts to come slowly, much more slowly than the airplane. We see planes flying past all the time. It's a very clear night, and there's uh, a lot of air traffic around there. Uh, it begins to move toward us until it is directly overhead, <laughs> and it just sits there. And I'm telling you, Art, I've seen in my life, I, I always joke that I've hardly ever seen a UFO except from the inside. Uh-huh. And I have seen three objects in my life that could have been UFOs, but never anything as long-term as this. This was really amazing. I hear you. I've had the same experience. It changes you. It changes you. Yes, so and, no doubt. And my wife saw it for the, really for the first time, and she was. we were awed. I'm sure you were thankful for that after all these years. After all these years, I really was, yeah. Look, honey, I'm really not crazy. So I stood there looking up at this thing, which is hanging there. I, I could see the constellations just beyond beyond it in the sky. I could see the Pleiades primarily. It was right under the Pleiades. It was right, in other words, at the top of the sky. Mm. Uh, a little bit of cirrus or something floated past it, and after that it was just gone. Never flew away. <laughs> well, now, you had guys with you with cameras. They took a beautiful picture of it, too, which I hope will appear in the magazine. They're, I talked to them today, and they're still uh, deciding whether or not they want to run the article. I think they were, they're delighted and amazed, but I think a little bit overwhelmed because... You know, they're, not, they're supposed to be UFO skeptics. I mean, this is the Northeastern Media establishment talking here. <laughs> and, uh, but they're wonderful people, and I'm sure they're going to find a way to, to, to get me to write something that they think their readers will be interested in. Uh, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I know, but they've got photographic evidence. They have a photo. It's not hard evidence, not as hard as, like, the Ed Walters pictures, because there's no detail. Right. But it, it's a lovely shot of this object, of, and it, 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 Tim Greenfield Saunders, the photographer, told me it captures the red color of it beautifully. It's a time exposure. So it's just basically a streak of red light, and you can see the dunes and so forth. But I'm sure it's a beautiful picture, and I would love to see it in the magazine. Okay. Uh, now, the picture that I saw... Um, the one that, that we've got up there right now, uh, what is that? That is from the end of the story. This is just the first stage of this story. That's why we're on the air. I wouldn't come to you with, with what to many of your listeners would be a mere light in the sky. I mean, I'm talking to you, pros out there. I yeah, know no, that. no, no. What we've got up there, folks, is a daylight shot. A daylight shot. Of a UFO. Um, it's remarkable. Uh, it's not, of course, the best quality. We're going to get a better quality one up there here shortly, but um, look here, this is a very, very, very serious uh, a photograph from Gulf Breeze. It's, yeah. it's daytime. It's, yeah, like, there's reference. Uh, you can see the thing is, uh, is off the ground, uh, off the water, actually. I mean, this is pretty serious. It, it's just uh, you're taken from a um, uh, taken from video, folks. That's a snap, right. A snappy done very quickly. This, uh, this is the, this is, this video that that sighting started a, a whole wave of sightings. The next night, we were out on the beach again. 
Now, this is, this is February 7th, folks. Right. Right. It just happened. Right. Uh, we are, uh, no, no, it's a week ago. It was January, the last weekend in January. Okay, the camera misdates it. Then. No, the camera's correct. This is still happening. That just happened on the 7th. Okay. Yeah, this, I'm talking about a week before. This has been going on all week down there. Uh, uh, the, uh, anyway, the, this is now, I believe, the night of the 31st. Right. We're out on the beach again about 7.30. We see it again. Same area. 20 degrees above the horizon in the north. Red, bright, beautiful light. Everyone's very excited. But this time, there are people watching all over Gulf Breeze. Mm. And Vicki Lyons can tell us about whether or not they succeeded in triangulating this and getting its altitude and so on and so forth. All right, do you want me to bring her on? Yeah, let's bring her on now and go on with the story. Vicki, hello there. Vicki? Oh, wait a minute. Let me push the button here. Got to do that. Vicki, hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, where are you, Vicki? I'm in Pensacola, Florida, just three miles from Gulf Breeze. Three miles from Gulf Breeze. All right. right. Whitley, be my guest. Okay, Vicki. Let's talk about the second night. Okay. Um, you and the Project Awareness people and, and myself and my wife are back out on the beach. What happened? Right. One of the most interesting aspects of the whole thing was the fact that we went to a darker part of the beach so that we could see better. And we just barely got our chairs out on this boardwalk, and this object appeared immediately after we all gathered. And now we have two other witnesses that have come forward, having seen it in the western part of Pensacola. We have another set of witnesses that, uh, that was viewing the object at the very same time that we were in northeast Pensacola. So we had a perfect triangle because we were at the beach from the south. So we had viewings from the south, the north, and the west, a perfect triangle. You had it triangulated, actually. Uh, we are working on that. Right now we think that uh, our particular sighting was at the beach. Was probably We probably were at the, the longest distance away from the object. The other people seemed to be only maybe a mile or two away from the object, whereas we were the, uh, we were the, the furthest away at about 10 miles. Um, and, again, you have to understand, too, Art, that this object that Whitley is talking about is not just an object that has suddenly appeared. This object has been around Gulf Breeze for years, and it has done some amazing things. Sometimes there are four or five of these. Sometimes other lights come out of these objects. And we've had two witness reports where there have been black disks above these red lights. Hmm. They uh, they have video, which they have showed me, of uh, these amazing uh, sort of flickering lighted things coming down out of the bottom of this. And I was, I must say that uh, that later that night, on uh, about 9.30 or 10, I was being, we, my wife and I were being taken back to the hotel by uh, some of Vicky's friends, and the driver saw two white squares in the sky. I saw them, but only just so briefly I could just see a sort of white blur. A moment later, something hit the top of the car, hard. What? Wham! We stopped the car. We found nothing. There was no mark on the car, but, I mean, it was really a loud noise. And I thought to myself about these things that have they've seen dropping down out of these UFOs. I wondered if we were hit by one. <laughs> These objects have hovered. On, they've hovered in the past, too. 
Uh, and sometimes one of the most remarkable things that ever happened involving these lights, Art, was in March of 1992, we had a group of, of more than 30 witnesses out on the beach, and we wanted to do an experiment. So we we shined some very bright lights up at, there at four or five of these objects, uh. and they blinked back. And that was the point when I know I had the feeling like you have been talking about, you and Whitley, earlier, where you feel almost a change come over you. I knew there was something very unusual going on. But we've had multiples of these, and they move against the wind. They never make a sound. They're just extraordinary objects. And at times we've been lucky enough to see these objects in a ring so that we think we're looking at an actual object with a ring of lights around it. Do either one of you have any idea why Gulf Breeze again and again and again? Well, you know, I feel that <laughs> it's publicity. I'm serious publicity. about that. I think that, I think that there is, we are getting ready to ramp up to another level of question. The general public has had the question for years, is this real? Is this real at all? Those of us who have seen UFOs or had close encounters have a different a different question, of course. But in general, that's the question. I think the question that the general public is going to be asking a year and a year from now is, what is going on here? All right. Uh, and I think that's what this is all about. All right, Whitley, Vicky, hold on a moment. We'll be right back to you. Once you've had your own experience, then you go from being objective to becoming an advocate because you've seen, you've been there, you know. I'm Art Bell. This is Coast to Coast AM. is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Now, here's Art. Once again, here I am. Are we being visited? Can you believe your own eyes? I have Whitley Streeper and Vicki Lyons uh, with me this evening in the first hour, and they've got a photograph on the website you have got to see. It was taken at Gulf Breeze. It is a daylight photograph. It is a uh, quickly grabbed image, and we'll get an improvement from a video camera. And I don't know, you tell me, your eyes, their photograph, their story, what do you think? <laughs> All right, once again, best-selling author Whitley Strieber, Communion, so much more, uh, and Vicki Lyons. And for the two of you, I am long past the are they here kind of question anymore right. regarding sightings. I mean, I just, I pat, that, that threshold was passed a long time ago. Now we're getting more and more hard photographic evidence of these, um, whatever they are. Whatever they are. Whatever they are. And, um, so you've got to kind of wonder, and I guess I would ask you both, what for the uh, ufology community and for the world in general is going to be the next step? Well, per
personally, what I'm going to do, uh, I think that there's a response of some kind to these to to publicity taking place right now. In other words, right. previously the visitors were very furtive. They they hid. They hung back. Now all of a sudden it's changing. We have the Mexico City video. We've got some new video from Mexico. Oh, would you comment, by the way, on the August sixth um, or ninth sighting? Sure. I, I can't recall. Uh, yeah. we, we've got those on the website as well, and they're staggering. They're staggering. Well, I've been down there and investigated the the area with uh, Jaime Masson and uh, and the uh, uh, another investigator, and uh, I have also worked with the video here in San Antonio at a at a video lab doing some examinations of it, and we we have I think we've determined conclusively, along with Jim Delatoso uh, Village Labs in Tempe, that this is not a fake. Oh no! This is a real, entirely real video, and I can also tell you that it's been of interest to some physicists who are working on advanced propulsion technology. I'm sure. Look, the minute I put uh, video up on the website, everybody in the world goes to work on it with every kind of uh, uh, software program they've got, and all the reviews coming back on the Mexico City stuff it's are authentic. it's authentic. You yeah, betcha. I think it's beyond question at this point. Oh, you know that video, uh, Jaime is going to be showing that video at Gulf Breeze in on uh at the Project Awareness Conference which is starting if I'm not correct on uh, the 20th mm-hmm. of March uh which it, I, he it has not been shown I don't believe yet on television in the US uh but what I was getting at was this I think that that those of us who are interested in seeing if we can get closer to this thing. And now I, I know there are a lot of people who don't want to do that, and I personally always advise caution. But uh, uh, I think that the more public it becomes, the more of a response there's going to be. All right, let me hit you both with a question. All right. Um, generally, most of the people who have told us stories about these craft suggest that the manner of communication with them has always been telepathic, or possibly uh, light signaling, uh, as Vicky has talked about. Um, And what do you think of the advisability of getting my audience together? I've done this on more than one occasion, did it just before the big Phoenix incident, and actually trying to have some sort of mass communication with the visitors, uh, requesting them to show themselves. Art, that is exactly what we have done in Gulf Breeze several times, and it works. Um, we we decided to try that just by being very serious. Oh, yes. By groups of us sitting and just being quiet and thinking about the fact that we we felt no fear and we were ready to face whatever and that we were very interested in finding out exactly what has been happening. And that is when those groups appeared that is when we flash the lights and they flash back. Um, it started that way, and every time we've tried that, and I must say we haven't lately, but now we're starting again, we have had some very interesting results. And I think that is very important, and I think that is one of the next steps. We have got to show that we are fearless and we are ready. We're well, ready it's, it's one way that we can circumnavigate the lack of uh, regular press about all of this. In other yes. words, if we can cause appearances over major metropolitan areas, as I believe we have done in the past, 
we can begin to settle this. Well, I think we're going to do that in Gulf Breeze in uh, in March. I, that's one of the reasons I'm going down there, even though I'm not a speaker. Uh, what are you going to do? What what's going to uh, you're going to have the film? Well, we from we have um, our, we have a, a big we have one of the largest Gulf Breeze conferences uh, UFO conferences in the country. This is our sixth annual conference, and it will be held right in Gulf Breeze on the beach, March 20th. Whitley's been a speaker for us many times, and the only reason he isn't this time is because it was it, it was going to involve um, a scheduling problem with his writing a new book. Right. Well, let's be frank about it. I said I was too tired. <laughs> <laughs> but um, this is going to, we've decided that we are going to expand our skywatches. We normally have a skywatch, and the last four out of five conferences we have had sightings. So this time we have expanded, and we're going to have a skywatch every night, and we're going to do exactly what you are talking about. We're going to get our conference attendees out on the beach, volunteers, and we're going to very, very seriously skywatch and and be ready for whatever happens. Well, I have the ability to gather millions of people at any single moment and uh, have a very serious mass communication. The last time I tried it, we had Phoenix. Actually, the last time I tried it, we had uh, Las Vegas, and the time prior to that, we had the Phoenix appearances. And it just makes sense to me that if they communicate telepathically, a mass uh, telepathic communication from Earth is likely to produce results. Well, that's exactly what we're going to be doing at the Gulf Breeze Conference this year. We're going to make a big effort to do that on, uh, with, on a mass level. I kind of wonder what would happen if uh, eventually we did that and something landed and uh, we had real first contact. I think it would be thrilling. I hope it would. Well, it might be. <laughs> now, if you listen to Whitley's description of the behavior of some of the visitors, uh, okay. you might be careful what you wish for. Yes, well, We have to be real careful. <laughs> you know, I heard a, a wonderful story tonight from a, a friend who had just come back from Africa. And she talked about watching some lions trying to lure a baby elephant away from its mother by rolling around and playing with each other and rolling the dust, which elephants love to do, and just being cute and playful as they could be. And they never got the baby to come over, but the baby was very tempted. And I think we have to remember that story as we proceed with this. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it. I'm yes. very much in favor of doing it. And I'm going to be there at Gulf Breeze trying along with everybody else. But I think, caution, we'd be foolish not to be cautious. Um, I, I do agree with that. Uh, Whitley, the photograph that's on the website right now, taken at Gulf Breeze, uh, describe what video they've got. I mean, we're seeing a snapshot in time. Okay, and in fairness to Snappy, incidentally, if it's still the, the first one that they did, that they sent a second one to, to Keith just a little while ago. Right, I think they just got their Snappy today and learned how to use it. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> well, they, they had it on, they had, the sna they had the video on pause when they did the Snappy. And I see. Like it isn't Snappy's fault. I use Snappy all the time, right along with our, our top-level uh, professional equipment, which is, indeed it is. Yes. It's part of our system, so I just want to say that. I can uh, give you the circumstances of this sighting. All right. Yes. Um, basically, we've had three UFO sightings in the daytime, and I wanted to qualify one point. These sightings were actually 30 to 40 miles west-northwest 
of Gulf Breeze in right. Pensacola Beach, but still very much in the area. All right. But it started uh, on the last Wednesday when I was driving to my partner's house uh, to do some project awareness business, and I was not supposed to leave my house until 4.15, and I don't know why I changed my plans. Circumstances were very unusual, but I suddenly decided I just had to leave earlier. So I left my house at 3.30, and I was driving down I-10 heading west, and the sky was completely clear and brilliantly blue, not a cloud anywhere. And all of a sudden, I noticed through my windshield to the southwest a perfectly round silver ball. It was so silver that it looked like a sterling silver marble hanging in the sky. Mm-hmm. And I estimated it to be about a mile away, and um, it, it was just spectacular. It was just hanging there. And I didn't think it was moving, but it's hard to say when you're driving 70 miles an hour down an interstate. But it was so clear. The day was just brilliantly blue, not a cloud anywhere. And the amazing thing was I was pondering pulling over and trying to get off the interstate, and just as I was looking at it and pondering leaving the interstate, this object crossed over my path so fast that the speed was absolutely indescribable. My eyes could not follow it. It was just too fast for human eyes. Well, who got the video? Okay, that's what I'm telling you. All right, this was on Wednesday. Okay. Now, um, on Saturday morning... Uh, a couple named Christy and Scott Edwards from Robertsdale, Alabama. That's about 40 miles west-northwest of Gulf Breeze. Right. Um, they, have been, they are the ones that are responsible for this video that is showing on your website. That It was shown last night on Fox 10 News. Now, we took this right off of the news station. Uh, we have not had an opportunity to talk with them. People are working on this. But the circumstances surrounding the video are that Christy Edwards stated that the object was very bright and very large and not like anything else she had ever seen. It was a daylight sighting. She had two sightings, Saturday morning and again uh, yesterday morning. And she turned this in to the Fox 10 News, and they put it on the news last night. Now, we did try to contact Shannon Garrett, who is the Fox News reporter handling that story, I tried to talk to her today, and she was out sick, so I'm supposed to get to talk with her tomorrow. But uh, Project Awareness staffers are pursuing this investigation, and we also have a website, and we're putting all this on there, all the updates. It's projectawareness.com, and we'll have all this on there. But that is the video that you are actually seeing tonight. But I wanted to preface that with a, a description of my sighting, because that is what I saw. And unfortunately, I didn't have a video camera or in my car, but I was thrilled when I saw this on the news. You know, I just started jumping up and down. That's it. That's of course, it. of course. There's <laughs> what I saw. Right. It was wonderful. So there have been three of these daylight sightings, and now, even as of this afternoon, we've had several calls of more sightings. So I really think that what is happening right now is that Gulf Breeze is right in the middle of another major flap. They're coming in faster than we can investigate them. Wow. Uh Whitley, you're uh, you're going back to Gulf Breeze when? Well, they have. Vicky, what are the dates of your conference? The conference is March 20th through the 22nd. It's right on Pensacola Beach, and, and that's can... when I'm going back. Yes. All right. Well, Eric, Bud Hopkins and Dave Jacobs will be there. Uh huh. Linda Howe. Linda Moulton Howe is one of our major speakers, and Jaime Masson. We have a whole group of real fine speakers. I, I just get the feeling that we're so close to cracking this whole thing open so finally. So close. Because, I mean, this is the thing that's so extraordinary is what we're talking about here is something real. 
the, these people have showed up right before this conference, and I think for a reason. It's, I mean, it's not a hoax. It's not a joke. It's completely real. That's what's so amazing about it. Well, then, you know, it seems to me we need to begin to give some thought to the manner of contact uh, when it does occur. When it does occur. But when it does occur. Not if. It's going to. I believe it it's going to. Uh, so... How do we do that, uh, and how do we prevent first contact from being with the U.S. military? I think the first thing, from my own personal experience and all the letters I've read, is no matter how much we expect it, it's going to be a surprise, because it always seems to come that way. The, the, the last thing I ever expected to happen was to actually see a UFO. I understand. In the presence of this photographer and his and his assistant, who were, you know, I mean, they're not in this at all, and uh, they're very, very sweet people, but they're they're not in this. Well, you know, there's uh, quite a bit of evidence, Whitley, that the U.S. military is shooting at these things. Yes, I, I must say, just in, I'm very well aware of that. I go into that in some detail in the, the book I've got coming out in May, confirmation. STS-48, uh, STS-50, yes. both seem to show shots of, uh, of these things being uh, fired upon. Well, all I can say is this. I hope two things. One, they have a good reason. And two, they know the limits of the visitor's tempers because uh, there's no question about in that mission STS-48 video, the objects perform at such an extent extraordinary high level of capability shooting at those objects is a little bit like a mouse biting a tiger i mean you need to i know you need to think carefully about that and i wish it had been a matter of public policy and not something decided in secret if it really happened sds 50 uh is probably worse Whitley. it shows uh coming up on the um, eastern coast of south america uh the camera zooms in on a particular city and sits there and waits, and what you see is a, a plasma-type shot fired from Earth, and they get a vivid, uh, perfect picture of it. So we're shooting at these things, and I'm not sure how wise an idea that is. Well, I'll tell you who will bear the brunt of it if it's a mistake and if it's really happening, and I agree with you. I think there's a strong possibility that it is. We, the people, will bear the brunt of it. We will carry the weight of it on our shoulders maybe for the rest of history. What is your best guess as to their intentions, Whitley? I know that uh, because of the abduction side of things, you you know more about them than we yeah. do. Well, uh, one thing is clear. There's exploitation of some kind going on. There is genetic material involved, and uh, almost certainly. Uh -huh. uh, another thing is this. People can have a transformative experience from contact. I've had that. I know many people who have had the same. I don't really know anyone who's credible and reliable, who's found it to be a fun, charming, humorous, delightful experience. It's tough. For some of us, it's bearable. For others, it is not. That's really where I stand with it. As far as their motives are concerned, uh, there there was a fascinating 
paper published in Science Magazine in April of 1977 by two physicists, one of them named Michael Morris, that speculated that someone who could travel through space like that would have, would know practically everything. And what they would be looking for as they traveled from place to place was novelty, something new, <laughs> somebody new, somebody who could surprise them. And if we can surprise them, then they will probably come here like bees coming to honey. In other words, if we are interesting. If we're interesting. And judging from all of the activity in the sky and in people's bedrooms, we are very interesting. Or we're dangerous. Well. I'm not sure which, uh, which answer is proper. If you look at the hidden history of the development of propulsion devices, and you stop and think that we're still flying around in jets, maybe we are dangerous and maybe we're being held back in some way. <laughs> maybe. Vicky, I'd rather be dangerous than, than helpless. <laughs> yeah. Vicki, I really appreciate the eyewitness uh, testimony, and I certainly appreciate the photograph. You have no idea. Any hard evidence just adds to the whole pile and gets us a little bit closer. Well, we'll continue to send it to you. Uh, we're we're trying to learn to to use our new products that we bought today, <laughs> <laughs> and we would love to have your listeners uh, try to join us. Uh, you know, in our attempts to make contact at the Gulf Breeze Conference, we're going to be doing it every night there. All right. Well, there are many who will make their way down. Uh, we've got a scoot. We're at the end of the hour. Vicky Lyons, thank you. Whitley Strieber, you. Uh, you owe me a whole program. I'm coming back, Art. Just- All right. Wait for it. All right. Thank you, Th- thank you both, and uh, good night. There you have it. You want to see the photograph in question? It's on the website right now at www.artbell.com. That's www.artbell.com. From the high desert that will answer, this is Coast to Coast AM. is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Now, here again is Art. Good morning across this great land. It is so nice to be here. I'm Art Bell. In the first hour, you heard from best-selling author Whitley Strieber, author of Communion and so much more, and Vicki Lyons in Pensacola. And they together deposited uh, into our website bank of evidence a photograph of an object... <laughs> Over the Pensacola area, uh, a disc seen in broad daylight. It is a a snappy, a very uh, quick and dirty snappy photograph taken from video. But there it is, folks. More hard evidence. Along with the photographs from Mexico that are up there that you've got to see. Very, very serious evidence of visitation here on Earth. Coming up in a moment is Daryl Sims. 
And Daryl Sims is a man who has very serious evidence himself. Let's take a quick look at what's going on around the world. Uh, in the Olympics, it might be worth noting that um, uh, Canada has won a gold medal, but its recipient, Ross Regbladi of Canada, uh, apparently tested positive for marijuana after his win in the men's giant slalom Monday. And they have taken his gold medal away for testing positive for marijuana. And that, uh, you've got to sit down and think about that one a little bit. Testing positive for marijuana. Marijuana would not, uh, in my opinion, give anybody an athletic edge of any kind. In fact, according to the critics, it would do just the opposite. So I wonder about his gold medal getting yanked for that. Uh, the first American medal has uh, been won at Nagano. Uh, Johnny Mosley bumped and jumped his way to gold in the men's moguls. And uh, that is pretty much the news from Nagano. I love the ice skating. I I, um, I watch every mo. And by the way, uh, a Chinese couple used the uh, the theme song from Dreamland. Uh, to skate by. Boy, was I shocked. Iraq. Iraq has the anti-aircraft missiles and other weapons to hit back against an American-led strike, the commander of the U.S. aircraft carrier said Tuesday. The U.S. George Washington, one of two U.S. aircraft carriers now in the Persian Gulf, getting ready to launch warplanes if Washington should decide to use force. Now, the list of nations saying no to the U.S. is growing by the moment. The latest embarrassment, Qatar, even Qatar, saying no. Saudi Arabia saying no. Everybody is saying no, and it looks like if we go, we're going alone. Madeleine Albright and the administration are trying to spin this one as best they can, showing that we have some support, but I don't know where it is. El Nino's latest incarnation was modest by last week's standards, did little damage in California, but there's more on the way. A moderately heavy storm followed, I guess, then by another very heavy storm. Um, two notes uh, to drop on you at the beginning of the show here. Um, I'm sorry, this is coming every day. There are tonight on CBC Radio News, that's the Canadian network, uh, called As It Happens, we heard a segment about harp seals in Newfoundland that are leaving the sea in large numbers and heading off into the forests. Old-timers say they have never seen or heard of anything like it. No one knows why these animals are leaving the ocean habitat. And then this, Beijing, China, Reuters, a warming in water temperatures as a result of El Nino is suspected, underline suspected, as a possible cause of rare whale beachings now in southern China. Fishermen found nine small whales that had run aground on a beach in the South China Sea Island province of Hainan last week. Of the nine whales found near the coastal town of Lending on February 2nd, three died 
and the others were pulled back to sea by fishermen and authorities. And this is an area where whales just don't beach themselves. So what's going on? You tell me. In a moment, um, a guy who concentrates on the hard evidence, Daryl Sims. All right, now comes Daryl Sims. He has investigated the UFO phenomena for 34 years. Now listen to this. He knew about implants years prior to the surgeries. Daryl is a board-certified hypnotic anesthesiologist. That simply means he's the guy who will put you under if you need surgery. By only using hypnosis, he is a master hypnotherapist. That means he teaches and certifies people in hypnotherapy and his specialized training techniques for investigators. He holds certificates in medical hypnotherapy and specialty areas of hypnotherapy. He is a master level at NLP or neuro-linguistic programming. That's something the Vice President and Tony Robbins are interested in. As a UFO investigator, Daryl has had the distinction of speaking to 250 surgeons and doctors in an AMA-sponsored program of continuing education concerning the topic medical complications of alleged human-alien contact. Daryl is the discoverer of the fluorescence occasionally found on abductees. This and other discoveries have led a number of doctors and scientists to you, most of them on a private basis. Daryl brings to the table with him three years as a senior military police officer, a Korean national police officer, as well as under the status of forces agreement, while he was in Korea for a year, he was a volunteer for our country in the U.S. Army. During Vietnam, he was taken out of the U.S. Army and quietly placed in the CIA for a two-year tour. Darrell worked as a part of the military contingent bodyguard to Vice President Agnew when he came to Korea in the three flying bordellos, helicopters, as Daryl called them. He was an escort and guard to Mr. Richard Helms, then director of CIA, of course. Daryl had a top-secret clearance, and now that has been administratively removed to secret. And by the way, for those of you who do not believe that, and Daryl has his detractors, we have posted the letter from the Department of the Army, the actual letter, we uh, scanned it and put it up on the website. If you uh, scroll down to Daryl's name and click on it, you will see it. His outstanding credentials have been verified to me prior to the interview. I've got his DD-214, as a matter of fact. He's been on the program before. Uh, he was here, as a matter of fact, last week um, with Dr. Roger Lear. We didn't get to hear from him a lot then. We will tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Daryl Sims. Daryl, welcome to the program. Hello, Art. Hi. Um, I was glad to be able to get that up on the website for you uh, to perhaps uh, quiet the roar from some of your critics. Well, there uh, some, of, some people uh, find it difficult to believe that, <clears throat> I guess, that uh, someone who was formerly in the Central Intelligence Agency for 
a couple of years would actually uh, come out and admit it, number one, and two... Well, that's, um, that's true, actually. I should ask you about that. Uh, how are you able to do that? Well, quite simply, uh, uh, I didn't really ask to get into the CIA. I was uh, what is called sheep-dipped. Uh, sheep-dipping <laughs> is something uh, termed the uh, Central Intelligence Agency, uh, or as they affectionately refer to themselves as the company, they uh, dip into uh, the sheep, which is the military uh, uh, areas, and uh-huh. they pick out what they want, whatever you, they need. Thank you for clarifying that. Uh, in other words, um, they find somebody in the military that has some sort of talent, or what did you have that they needed? That's a real good question. Uh, the uh, a, a military uh, gentleman who is also part of the CIA, um, uh, who is the leader of that particular group, there were three of them, when I was in military police school, and uh, he was the one that interviewed me, and I uh, asked him for a long time, several times, what is it that you're finding here that you're interested in? Because they never would tell us who they were. They only assured us we'd never go to Vietnam and all that, and I said, well, I, that wasn't the reason I volunteered. And that idea was to go to Vietnam. And um, he never did tell me what the, the reason was, but I suspect it was red, white, and blue, and uh, that sort of thing, and the testing and the other things they found, of course, in the, they do an extensive background for a top-secret clearance. And, Daryl, it sounds like you've got something running in the background, a fan or a motor of some kind. Do, do you have something? Uh, that's the uh, computer. It's a computer. All right. Well, it's, uh, it's actually uh, fairly loud compared to your voice, so there it better? is. Much, much, much better. Thank okay. You. Um. So there you are in the CIA for two years. What ostensibly did you do for them? Well, uh, a lot of the stuff I did, of course, is still classified, and, and I can't discuss a lot of that, but I, I can tell you... Um, um, did you sign an agreement? Oh, oh, yes. You sign an agreement when you go in. Um, uh, the interesting thing is... Uh, I was... Uh, Flown on a, an interesting jet after the uh, final, final, after the top secret clearance was uh, made and flown to uh, uh, top secret installation, and, and in that place, um, uh, when the clearance finally was was done, then I was uh, of course awarded a, a particular rating uh, for this, and then um, these individuals uh, finally brought me in and explained to me exactly, uh, and several other people. Uh, where we were and uh, smiled after they gave us the briefing and said, Welcome to the Central Intelligence Agency, or as you will always refer to it as, the company. The company. It was just that simple. Um, so I didn't get to really volunteer because you really didn't know what you were volunteering for. You cannot tell us where you were. Not at this time. <laughs> I, in, I intend to. Uh, I'm uh, running some things through my attorney currently. Um, and uh, we'll uh, approach the United States government and see if I can, what I can tell, because I intend to put that in my book as uh, much as I can of it. You are writing a book. What, what is your book going to be called? The book is entitled Alien Hunter. Alien Hunter. The scientific and medical evidence for uh, to make a case for abduction. Um, during your two years in the CIA, is it reasonable to ask you or possible to ask you whether you were able to, let's see, how can I phrase it? Uh, were you able to confirm any of what you know to be true on the outside now with regard to the visitors? My uh, tenure with the uh, short, my short tenure with the United States uh, 
uh, area of the Central Intelligence Agency uh, did not involve any uh, uh, alien phenomena whatsoever. I did find some things that I found quite uh, fascinating, and this is the real thing that I want to pursue with my attorney and see if I can uh, get that released. I mean, if Marchetti and uh, uh, Frank uh, Agee and others can write some of the things they did that even got people compromised and even killed, uh, Frank Agee did, uh, surely then I can uh, print some of the things that uh, I feel like that the uh, United States people ought to know simply because you're paying taxes for it and you ought to uh, be aware of it. And what about Philip Corso and many others? I Absolutely. Mean, uh, Absolutely. How, how in the world have they been able to reveal these things without getting uh, slammed behind bars? Well, I think uh, a, a couple of things. Uh, I think, number one, if uh, if you divulge, and th this is it's certainly no, I have no intention of uh, slamming anybody here at all, um, but there are certain things I know that if I speak about, uh, I will be picked up uh, within just a few hours. And it's just that simple. Mm. How they do what they do, I don't know. But I know if uh, certain things I relay and cost the government a couple hundred million dollars, uh, I'm going to uh, go to jail. Going to go to no jail. No question of that. Mm -hmm. um, Alien Hunter, tell me about that. What? Uh, why that title, Alien Hunter? The title uh, came... Uh, uh, years ago, uh, a lady did an interview with me, and uh, she uh, she smiled. She says, my goodness, she says, you look for evidence, you look for the beings, you look for everything about them, you look for the way they think, uh, the way they process, the, not just the abductees, but the beings themselves. And, and she wrote an article entitled Alien Hunter, and that stuck, and uh, later I trademarked it. All right. Uh, we did a show with you and Dr. Roger Lear the other night. I should tell everybody that... Uh, Dr. Lear is a surgeon who removes implants from human beings, and we have electron scanning microscope photographs of those implants on my website right now. They seem to be very, very, very hard evidence of alien presence. Uh, is that the way they hit you? Well, uh, <clears throat> Mr. Bigelow, uh, when I was uh, called to his, uh, his location with uh, Roger Lear uh, when he was... Uh, going to evaluate in his uh, team of uh, scientists as to whether or not they would fund our research uh, for a period of time, uh, asked the question, he said, when you, if these are evaluated and you find out that they're really alien in origin, what mm -hmm. will that tell you? Yes. I said, do you mean like if uh, that aliens are really real? And he said, yes. I said, no. I said, that would not be the proof for me. I said, uh, as, as for the alien presence being real, I said, I figured that out in 1952 when it was standing next to my bed. I have long since passed the threshold of understanding that uh, we are being visited. Uh, you apparently have had more of a visit than I have. What year was that? 1952, when I was uh, three and a half years old, uh, there was a creature standing next to my bed that, in fact, that literally brought me, just brought me back uh, from the event. And uh, what, was in, what was very strange to me in growing up is when I first started seeing these books and things and people's reports, about these aliens having uh, uh, these almond-shaped eyes, I was real puzzled by that, and I thought people were probably making that up because the beings I saw during that time, up until the, the time that my abduction stopped at age 17, mm -hmm. they had very large, round eyes. They were very dark black the same way, but they were very round, which has led me to believe that uh, it's very possible that what I was looking at was a Ford model, and what we have today probably is a Lexus. Well, that's entirely reasonable, I suppose. Uh, what did the rest of the creature 
look like? You say large round eyes. They uh, were they were exactly the same thing, except that they were not gray or tan as often people describe them, or off white. These were the most brilliant white I've ever seen, and I it wasn't just when right. I was asleep, and it wasn't just some. Uh, a situation by which a uh, a person could say, well, you were in sleep paralysis and this sort of thing. Uh, the fact is that I woke up with a, uh, the next day with a scoop mark on my leg uh, at four years old, and I didn't have a uh, I didn't have any kind of a uh, a cut or anything there, so it didn't make any sense. And I actually remembered what it was they told me to say to think that it would be. What did what was that? Uh, it was that I had fallen and cut myself, and that was the reason for that very large scoop on a on a little child, four years old, that's a pretty good size uh, It is. Cut. Was a uh, was it um, in the form of a wound or was it a healed? It was a wound? completely cauterized wound, uh, much like the ones we're finding with some of the abductees that we're working with uh, and, and some of the people that we've actually removed uh, alleged implants from. And what we found in those scoop marks was uh, solar elastosis. I beg your, I beg your pardon. Solar elastosis was what we found uh, from the uh, pathology reports uh, concerning the scoop marks that we've uh, right. uncovered. What is that? Solar elastosis, uh, which confirms a lot of my uh, work with uh, a number of abductees, uh, as to them telling the truth, uh, describing a scoop mark with a, a scoop with a, a device that makes a little noise and it has a light on the end of it and seems to cauterize the wound. Uh-huh. Well. That makes a lot of sense whenever you go look at the path report and you find that solar elastosis is there. Solar elastosis means that that area, that scoop mark, that very smooth indentation, has actually been treated to an enormous amount of ultraviolet radiation. Now, what was amazing is the two patients that we used in the surgeries uh, uh, on May 18, 1996, uh, both of them have very light white skin and they never go outside and yet they've been subjected to this solar elastosis only in that one little tiny scoop. Localized UV radiation. Yes, sir. In other words, all right. Uh, Daryl, hold on. We'll be right back to you. Daryl Sims is my guest. This is Coast to Coast AM. Kingdom of Nye. Now, once again, here's Art Bell. Once again, here I am. Daryl Sims, a very interesting guy. Uh, I see here he is an advanced open water instructor in scuba. He has a black belt in karate. He's a hypnotherapist. He was a member of the CIA. I've got all of this uh, uh, documentation in front of me. 
uh, a member of the National Board for Hypnotherapy and Hypnotic Anesthesiology. And it goes on, and the American uh, Amateur uh, Karate Federation. I've got all of this documentation in front of me. It's a very uh, diverse background, um, Daryl. You've done a lot of stuff. Well, I, uh, my wife and I both uh, have shared many of the uh, same uh, interests. And, in fact, she was a martial arts student uh, of mine whenever she was a teenager. And uh, she's now a third-degree black belt, and I'm fourth. And we just, uh, just have identical interest in everything. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, anyway, back to uh, ufology. Um, all of this began for you when you had your own abduction at four years of age. Four years of age. Uh, what has occurred since then to you? Well, for me, the uh, my events ended um, when I was uh, 17 years old, and uh, they ended very violently. Oh? Uh, it is not... Uh, uh, um, which may have to do with uh, some of the um, uh, negative aspect of uh, is what some people refer to it as is, is a negative. Um. Well, we were just discussing that with Whitley in the previous hour uh, about what, whether we should be very careful what we wish for. In other words, whether these beings are really our friends or not, I take it you don't necessarily think so. I don't. Uh, I, it, first of all, it's, it's, it's my view that uh, I'm a, a Christian, and uh, I, I think that there, there are all kinds of beings out there, angelic and otherwise, and so on. And I think there are a lot of uh, very good, positive influences there. I think that some of the things that some of these particular beings are doing, are uh, if we had to apply a, a standard to it, of course, by our own, which I'm sure they don't have, uh, it would be uh, abusive and uh, illegal, immoral, I mean, beings that take uh, you or your children or your wife or anyone out of your home in the middle of the night and <clears throat> rape them and uh, do various things to them, as Whitley well knows uh, from his first experience there, he's reported, uh, is uh, not a very uh, emotionally uh, uplifting um, whenever they do things to uh, a three-and-a-half-year-old child. Uh, this is not... Uh, Daryl, what was uh, done to you? Sir? What was done to you? Well, there are a number of things that uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still getting testing on just to see if I can validate it because I don't consider my case that that useful uh, because there is not enough physical evidence to to uh, to meet the standards that I've, I've applied to other people. I understand. But for me, uh, I uh, started uh, looking at uh, some neurological testing and other things that uh, uh, indicated to me that the so-called uh, memories that I have are in fact true. Some of the uh, uh, surgical and other procedures that were done, uh, and they were not done for my benefit, I do, and I certainly don't apply this to everyone and say, my goodness, uh, because something uh, pretty rough happened to me, it, it had to be for you too. I don't, I don't apply that to everyone. I'm just, I can only speak for myself in that regard. That's fine. But the last event that I had, uh, I, uh, you have to understand, this is in uh, about uh, 1960. Uh, four and in that area, you and would have been 17. Your memories of yes. this should be good. And um, well, the, there was a little evidence in this, this particular event because the door was actually broken open uh, in the middle of the night, and uh, my, I couldn't understand why my parents couldn't wake up. Um, the five beings that showed up in the room during that time do not show up in any ufology literature I have ever seen. Um, 
the uh, I've found seven people since then that have seen one of these beings. Can uh, you describe them? Uh, I could. I, I'd, I'd rather wait, and I'll and I'll mention why now. Uh, the seven people that I've found that have met this one particular being have all had uh, horrifying events. Uh, one of the people, in fact, is uh, my uh, sister-in-law. Uh, after her encounter, she ended up with grand mal epilepsy. And she's not the only person to uh, experience some absolutely horrific um, experiences from these particular beings. Oh, my. Uh, the news I've been getting lately about these beings is not good. Uh, they've done a lot of things they ought not do. And, very true. And, and so I'm, I'm beginning to get uh, very concerned as the prospect of contact, real contact, I think is getting very close with all of the daylight sightings and all the rest of it. Uh, it's time to start really digging into what we're about to meet here. Art, I think you couldn't have said a better thing, and uh, I think you're wise uh, to say that, I, and I think it's, it's foolish for us to to uh, welcome anything without uh, knowing. And one of the things that concerns me is, uh, especially when people attack the military, I mean, I was in the military. If I'd have known about uh, horrific things going on that the military was doing or something, I would have been the first person out of the can to uh, to expose it. And I'm sure there are a lot of people in there now that would as well. Uh, and that doesn't excuse, certainly, intelligence community uh, people that are doing some terrible things. That, that... Well, you remember the movie Independence Day? Yes. Uh, you remember the crowd that went on up on of top of the the roof there, um, all the New Agers uh, whooping it up, saying, yes, 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 and, of course, the ship opened up and uh, fried them all. Yes. Is that the kind of first contact we might have? Uh, I don't I don't think so. I, uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you my thinking, and, uh, and it's nothing I can prove, but it, a lot of this is going to come out in the book. And uh, and then I'll give you an illustration of this. Uh, I don't think they're, quote-unquote, going to come to invade or anything like that. I think they're already here. Oh, so do I. And I think they already own the place. Oh, I... The problem is, what are you going to find out? They all... What what can you do about it? They already own the place. I think they're already here. And uh, they're pretty much doing whatever they want. And uh, it's one of the things that I'm doing... In my research, and uh, this doesn't have anything to do with first, it has to do with uh, another corporation I own, uh, Sabre. All right, well, you better explain both. What, okay, what first is, is, first. Uh, is a, the scientific and medical study for the evidence that I've uncovered for 34 years. All right. When I brought this uh, first to, uh, brought it to several doctors before, and uh, the one I felt most comfortable with was Dr. Lear. Um, he uh, is a, a consummate skeptic uh, when it comes to evidence. Uh, he is uh, a brilliant man, a wonderful CV, and uh, he had a real problem believing in this implant business when I first brought him. And after, of course, the pathology reports came back, uh, he was ecstatic. But my point being that uh, first is, a, is the study of the evidence that I find as the, as the alien hunter, so to speak, uh, looking for evidence. Uh, my interest is to find what these beings are doing and, and why they're here. And uh, I don't think that as a human, as human beings, that we have the cards to play the game. And until we can get some cards in our hand, we're not going to ever be dealt in. Well, we're going to get the effect of it. Do we know what the game is yet? I don't think so. Uh, I certainly don't. Uh, I'm, I'm working on and, and hoping uh, through some of the work that I find with abductees that we'll find that, which brings up a tremendous question. Uh, could I, when I went down to Brazil, uh, I met a, a 
horde of a hypnotherapist and uh of course they're all saying well you should, let me tell you about my cases and what we do and right. all the stuff we found and and much of the stuff was pretty much the same and i said let me ask you a question why is it that a lot of the information you're getting is pretty much identical you pretty much have the same belief systems yet the information we're getting is different different and finally they asked asked me to explain it and i said well right. i said you have to understand these beings leave a something like a screensaver memory uh, on the on the memory of the individual. It's kind of like a computer. Your screensaver is not the hard drive memory per se. Right. It's not all the data. You have to get past the screensaver. I said, what you're doing is hypnotizing the screensaver, which is an installed, prepared, pre-digested memory for this person, which often is we're here to save the planet, fix the world, clean the ozone hold up, and so on, which they haven't done for at least 6,000 years. And... You have to get past that to be able to find out what's actually going on with these these beings. That's when you do, you get quite a different story. All right. When you get past that, there there are several things we have to discuss here. One is false memory syndrome. Oh, absolutely. I've got to ask you about that. Absolutely. Um, There's been an awful lot of TV coverage lately of um, adults who suddenly have memories of things that never actually occurred, uh, molestations and so forth, things that um, a lot of people feel are instilled by the hypnotherapist. Yes. So address that. Well, first of all, uh, a false memory syndrome uh, only affects about uh, uh, 10%, 15% of the population, according to Dr. Charles Latimer in his recent presentations. Meaning what? That 10 to 15% are subject to... Are subject to that sort of thing. Now, what I am concerned with, and I, and, and this, this is, may chap some of my colleagues out there uh, in doing hypnotherapy, but one of the things that bothers me about hypnotherapy, the way it's often being done, is that uh, a lot of these people uh, don't understand the, the nature of, uh, of hypnosis itself, and they don't understand especially the nature of memory. There's a difference between recall and memory. You can recall a, uh, a hallucination, but it didn't really occur, you see. There's no physical event that anyone else ever saw. Okay. But now, the, the memory that you recover is something different. In other words, if we're working with you in a situation, which we've done, in a uh, legal situation where uh, you may have witnessed a crime or murder, this sort of thing, right? Uh, or seen the car and we hypnotize you and get the license plate off of it, that's not false memory syndrome whenever we can trace the person down, put the person in the event. Of course not. That's memory. However, if you run up to me and say, oh, I think I saw, I, I saw that you may have seen this murder, you may have seen something and everything, and uh, the hypnotist may hypnotize you and say, well, tell me what it's all about, and they, they tell you this whopper, you have to know the difference between... Uh, what the what these people are going through now, some of the difficulties for instance um, the trauma that an individual may have from an event whether ufo related or not can induce a, a, a an installed memory itself to, to even protect the person you can have uh, memories installed simply because the suggestions of the hypnotist he just made errors in his questioning techniques is that installed by the person's own mind as a protective mechanism? Absolutely, in, in the cases of trauma. And if the hypnotist is not skilled to know that, he will miss it and pick it up as memory. And I, I need to really hit this hard in, in, in um, defense of a lot of hypnotists out there. They're doing very fine jobs. The majority of the people are getting sued for this sort of thing. Not, not the majority, all of them I know of.
and getting multi-million dollar suits against them are professional people. Not the hypnotists, but in fact the psychologists and psychiatrists who are leading these people on uh, with this false uh, memory that they're uh, dredging up for these people. Is that an easy trap to fall into leading somebody on? It is because of the fact that if you uh, have a, an agenda, let's say that you, and, and, and I, I have a, a friend of mine who's a psychiatrist who's uh, been begging me to help him with some of his cases, and they are involved in this exact sort of thing. And I assure him that, the, first of all, I don't even want to look at the cases because they're wrong. Well, one of them is uh, all these people are out molesting these little children. I said, well, who are the people identified? He said, well, it's, it's very obvious and it's very, we've got to be careful. I said, who? Well, he mentioned the president and several other people of the country. I said, you mean they're flying out here just to molest these little kids? Oh, said, Give please. me a break. Please. Give me a break. I don't even want to know. Now, this is obvious that someone has done some pretty bad work here. But there again, these are professional people. And I just hmm. it, it's difficult for me to believe sometimes that some of these people's training is so poor that they don't know the difference between recall and memory. Well, how do you, for the skeptical public delineate between the two uh, with respect to the work you're doing? Well, I, that's a wonderful question, and, and it, it certainly needs to be answered, and, uh, and I'm glad to. The, first of all, uh, we never use hypnosis unless the person either, number one, asks for some particular reason for themselves, okay. and number two, if we're with a certain area that we want to probe and look into after we've already got the person's, uh, they've already gone through all the testing, all the psychological tests, all the uh, IQ testing and all the other testing that we've agreed to, to do, which they must do if, the, if we take the case. And second, and this is primary, I should say this first, the primary thing is these people that we work with, I only work with physical evidence cases. If you don't have physical evidence, I don't handle the case. Oh, so that's your, a, that's your a good evidence start, yeah. must match I've got what you. we find. I've got you. That's a very, very good start. So I don't have the problem. Um, let me try this question out on you. What percentage of the cases that you take on after the physical evidence, uh, would you, would you um, say, offer unambiguous proof? Uh, uh, let me see if I can... Uh, would you phrase that once again for me? Yes. Please? Of those cases uh, that involve hard evidence that you then go on to use hypnotherapy with, what percentage of those cases at the end of the day would you say are unambiguous, uh, offer proof? Oh, I would say about uh, 20%. About 20%. About 20% of the cases. Now, what happens if I deduct the 10 to 15% that you suggested might be subject to false memory syndrome? Well, uh, the, the most important thing there is the, is the skill of the person. This is You have to know how to weed that out. You have to be able to spot it. Now, let me give, a, if I may, a very quick example. My senior investigator, Dale Musser, a very fine uh, investigator, had a lady uh, come in, and this said lady is beyond question an abductee. She has been seen by eight other people on board craft at the same time in a mass abduction of eight people. Eight there's, separate there's no people? no question this lady is an abductee. Eight separate people? Uh... On the same craft, same time, same... Uh, it was. It's called the mass abduction event of 1992. It's one of my... Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a case that I'll mention a little later on in this uh, that you'll just absolutely find astounding. But the, the point is that the lady is no question of an abductee, but she also hallucinates, and we know that. She comes in, sits down, says, uh, Dale, I'd like you to work with me um, uh, because I, I've been abducted. He says, okay, have a seat, and uh, 
she he questions her a bit and everything. He's a little dubious. Uh-oh. Uh, that, uh, folks, is the sound of a broken telephone line. Uh, these things occasionally occur. Um, interestingly, these things more frequently occur when we have a guest uh, talking of the kinds of things you're hearing right now. Uh, quite remarkable, I would say. So we'll pick up Daryl on the other side of the uh, the news at the top of the hour. Very suspicious. Are you overweight? Well, we can arrange for you to lose 8 to 10 pounds of that weight in the next month. Actually, fiber does that. All fiber that you would eat sweeps fat out of your digestive tract kind of like a broom. Let me tell you about a revolutionary fiber, chitosan. It is natural. It's derived from shellfish. Not only does it sweep out fat, but it absorbs ten times more fat than any other fiber. You can get this fiber in a formula called Kytoslim. Kytoslim is very effective because you lose weight even without changing your eating habits. No stimulants. It's gentle. It's effective. It works. Here is the offer. You order a 90-day supply of Kytoslim. With it, you get an antioxidant moisturizing cream free of charge. It's guaranteed to work. You can't get it in stores. You can get it here at 1-800-557-4627. That's 1-800-557-4627. Now, um, updating you on a story with regard to the Canadian who has won a gold medal and has been disqualified... For the use, uh, or, or uh, let me rephrase that, disqualified uh, for testing positive for the use of marijuana, or marijuana present in his system, uh, we're finding now that uh, the claim is that it was secondhand smoke, that he was in the presence of some people that were smoking marijuana. But, you know, again, I want to say, why would marijuana, just as a matter of interest pharmaceutically why would marijuana be considered a disqualifier for a gold medal uh, most people I think uh, in medicine regard marijuana as kind of a lazy drug that people kind of get laid back certainly it's not regarded as an athletic stimulant or a stimulant for the body so it seems to me that Canada is really getting screwed here uh, I was not aware that the uh, uh, that a positive test for marijuana would disqualify one for a gold medal. But apparently uh, that has occurred. Uh, one more item. I would like to urge everybody, everybody, to get to my website ASAP. See the photograph we put up there last hour. It is a photograph of an object, an unambiguously um, clear object, in Pensacola, Florida. In addition, we've got the Mexican photographs up there showing a craft passing behind a high-rise building in Mexico City. Now, we are discussing, when we get him back here in a moment, if we get him back, with Daryl Sims, uh, the reality of what's going on, what these creatures are, who they are, who they aren't, what they're doing to people, and what we can expect that's all coming up uh, as we continue with Coast to Coast AM from the high desert. 
That's exactly what this is. I'm Art Bell. Don't touch that dial. To talk with Art Bell in the Kingdom of Nye, from east of the Rockies, dial 1-800-825-5033. 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico. 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. Now again, here's Art Bell. My guest is Daryl Sims, who is a hard evidence UFO investigator. We were, just prior to the top of the hour, cut off. Uh, there is no question about that. Uh, from time to time, lines are severed. But we have a lock system on this end for guests. And one can only wonder, are these lines tapped? Well, of course they are. Would somebody cut us off? One can't imagine why. But has it happened before? Yes. Did it happen just now? Yes. Now, again, before we proceed with Daryl Sims, who is a alien hunter, who is a hard evidence investigator, let me tell you once again, up on the website, by Daryl Sims' name, if you click on it, if you can get up there, you will see a letter from the Department of the Army, Office of the Adjutant General, a U.S. Army Reserve Components Personnel and Administration Center in St. Louis, where all the records are kept, uh, you will see a letter that um, refers to Daryl Sims' top-secret security clearance. He was CIA. And the replacement of that by uh, a secret clearance. Uh, so for all of his uh, detractors, we thought we would post this document for you to see. Uh, too many times on radio, you simply are unable to do that kind of thing for a guest. But we make that kind of proactive use of the web. So there it is. Uh, for any detractors, uh, be my guest. Go take a look so you know who you're listening to. Once again, Daryl Sims. Daryl, um, welcome back. Yes. Uh, we were unceremoniously cut off. Yes, we were. Um, do you believe your phone is tapped? Oh, I... Uh... Uh, I, I I am not a paranoid person. Uh, people always ask me if uh, if uh, the CIA is watching me all the time and all that, and I say no, they're not. But they were for for quite a while because, for some other reasons. <clears throat> and uh, I suspect that as, as we get closer and closer to real answers in ufology concerning hard evidence, in other words, it, out on the private sector, we're getting close to what they already obviously have. Mm -hmm and then we don't have to rely upon them and come to our own conclusions and just have to deal with our uh, ridiculous little uh, debunkers and others out here. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, they're going to always be paying attention to that, of course. I, I frequently wonder when I'm going to be stopped. I keep pushing the envelope, Daryl, to see how far I can sure. go. It's my nature. And I suspect eventually uh, they'll try and stop me. 
I, I expected. Now, uh, getting cut off like that, it's not uh, the first time, and we were in the middle of a fairly sensitive uh, conversation when it occurred. Uh, my attitude has always been the phones are tapped. Who cares? I don't say things that I wouldn't say on the air anyway. Of course. And the ANSA owns the Internet anyway. And anybody who doesn't know that needs to go check it out. Yeah, you know, I frequently recommend to my listeners, uh, Daryl, the NSA has supercomputers listening to uh, lots and lots of phone conversations, looking for keywords. And uh, when they hear those key- keywords, or when those keywords are said and noted, then conversations are indeed listened to by the NSA. Uh, that's pretty well known in the intelligence community. So I frequently urge my listeners to, in the middle of a conversation, for no other reason, just drop in a word like kilo, kilo. <laughs> that ought to get them confused. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does the trick, believe me. Um, anyway, uh, we now have you back, and I sure would like to hear that story about the, uh, the, the mass abduction of eight people, unrelated apparently. Oh, that is a big one. Okay. Archie has struck a, 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 the chord that uh, got me the uh, title, Alien Hunter. The lady was investigating a case uh, we refer to as the mass abduction event of December 8, 1992. And uh, let me back up just a little bit. I came to one of my abductees. I had about 75 at the time. And, uh, and she is a uh, what we would refer to generally really as a contactee. Okay. Uh, she believes that her events, uh, even though some of them may have been somewhat negative, that uh, the guys are basically here helping us, doing something good, but she doesn't know what it is. And um, so I said, what I would like to do is uh, to do an experiment. I said, I was in the Central Intelligence Agency for two years and uh, and worked in the military police and and so on. And so with that background, I said, what I would like to do is install a post-hypnotic suggestion, installing in your memory a piece of information that I found that I think that if it is valid would upset them if they knew you knew it. And I said, uh, it, probably nothing will happen, but if it does, uh, I w- would like to see if anything would occur. Now, let me get this straight. This is somebody who's an ongoing abductee or contactee. Absolutely. And you're implanting a post-hypnotic suggestion. My own s- screensaver memory. To send to them. Absolutely. Oh, oh, I've always wondered when somebody would do that. Well, Art, this is, uh, to me, made sense. We did three years of research, uh, Dale Mustard, myself, my senior investigator, and after we gathered the evidence together, we did not hopscotch off of everyone else's work. We took our own 75 uh, people and, and came up with our own incredible stats of uh, up to 33% of, of these abductees having rare drug allergies which only .08% of the population has. Really? It's equivalent to one out of three out of every ten astronauts that walk in having a rare drug allergy of the same exact kind. It's never going to happen. Uh-huh. In fact, uh, your dentist will laugh at you if you even mention it to him. Mm-hmm. But uh, we found a lot of stats like that. Uh, we found uh, the fluorescence uh, on these people after immediately after their abduction scenarios. Fluorescence? Uh, yes, uh, fluorescence that permeates the skin uh, on contact and it will stay there uh, it can't you won't wash off you can't get it off uh, the only only way we can even get a sample is to take a surgical scalpel and cut uh, very lightly into the skin and take a, a shaving of the skin off and we've actually in fact I got my first analysis in today we found two of them that were identical fluorescence um, what is the material made up of it uh, it's a, a fluorophore that uh, it's not a phosphorescent thing it's a fluorophore that 
will only light up under the excitation of or, or the use of a black light uh, brought next to it. Uh-huh. And what this basically means, we think, we, we can't prove this, of course, but we think what it means is that the individual in their abduction scenario has been touched by these beings and there seems to be an exuding of some kind of fluid, like an oil or something, that uh, penetrates the skin on contact. And uh, it literally colors the skin with a fluorescence. Wow. Wow. I've had several professors, uh, now there, there and are... everyone would recognize them out there, uh, ask about it, and they're very excited, from England uh, to the U.S. Daryl, there are some uh, seaborne biological creatures that exhibit that kind of fluorescence as well. Yes. Um, for example, um, under certain conditions, uh, jellyfish do. Yes. Um, is, it, is there some relationship to that kind of fluorescence? We have we've not found uh, that out at this time. What we're doing right now is taking 22 samples that we do have uh, from uh, abductees and uh, and testing them. We have a biochemist, uh, Evelyn, that does our work for us, and mm-hmm. um, she is uh, struggling as we all are because of the lack of funding to be able to really get out there and do what we need to be doing. Um, but uh, in this case... Um, to touch a little bit on the fluorescence uh, and how I found it, uh, one of the things that we found about uh, cattle mutilations many years ago, it was reported that uh, some of the cattle uh, had uh, fluoresced uh, when someone accidentally got a a black light near them. Uh And then some of the cattle that later fluoresced apparently were mutilated, which indicated that, uh, if this story is true, that uh, they in fact were marked. Well, that's not how I found the fluorescence. Now, I found the fluorescence, and this, is, this will be real good for our detractors and debunkers and uh, attackers of, of hypnosis. I found the, the first fluorescence finding uh, from a, a young man who uh, regressed back to the age five to his first event. And uh, he kept crying because he said, they don't like me. He said, I'm doing everything they want me to do. And they kept crying and crying about why he just couldn't understand why they didn't like him. And uh, the funny thing about it was... Uh, for me, was that uh, his father had painted a beautiful uh, black light picture all over his wall as a child. Mm-hmm. And he had a little black light there next to his bed because the kid was always afraid and he couldn't understand why. Of course, aliens coming in your room at night picking you up, it might illustrate that. That'll do it. And then uh, one night the beings came through the wall, woke the little boy up, and the little boy was terribly frightened. And he looked, and the black light, of course, was on was lighting up the, the black light wall with the picture that his father had painted. Right. But he saw a brilliant, bright green fluorescence in places on those beings, white skin. What would that suggest to you, or does it suggest at this point anything yet? Well, it, it, uh, we can only guess, uh, and, it, and of course this is why we have Evelyn doing the testing so that we can find out. Right. But it would seem to me, based on the evidence I have to date, that whenever these beings touch a person, that this uh, liquefied or semi-liquid form material that penetrates our, our skin on contact uh, seems to be exuded from them, like uh, something like sweat or something. And what's amazing about this is I've found a number, a number of different colors, and the colors correspond to exact abductee reports and the, the different reports. Uh, and this is just absolutely, um, what is it, thrilling find as far as I'm concerned. Yes. And uh, because, it, there again, it verifies the abductees are telling the truth. 
These people don't go out and make this stuff. They just sit there and lie. They're, it's easy to catch people lying this way. Again, uh, the eight. There we go into the, the eight. The eight people, what happened? The lady was, received the post at my suggestion. She looked at me and she said, I'm going to tell you something, Daryl. She said, I trust you implicitly. I like these beings. I don't like what they're doing. I think it's wrong. I think there's this thing's going to come to a conflict eventually between you and whoever they are. She said, so I'll do whatever you want. I said, well, you're, I have to get, do this on video. And she says, why is that? And I said, because I'm fixing to induce amnesia. You're not going to remember anything. Amnesia. So when I installed the post-it my suggestion of information that I felt, and then let me back up here a bit. Sure. If, and since I was in the intelligence community, there are two things that you, that you did in the intelligence community. One is to, the intelligence community's job is to have secrets. Hmm. And the second reason for them having secrets is, is not to ever have them exposed because if because you become vulnerable. Of course. I mean, that's the whole point. I don't think the alien presence is any different. So the best way to do this is to test it. So I found information from one abductee that I felt was, if I were, an, if I were them, I would not want that out. I got way past the screensaver memory, in other words, and found one of these type, uh, scenarios that uh, sounded to me like it might be true. Okay, so you had you, you had uh, second level information from exactly. an abductee. So the question is, let's you know who knows whether it's true or not. Let's apply it in the situation and see what happens. So you hypnotize this lady, and and you impart this implanted the information, and then install amnesia in two ways. I installed amnesia on both sides of her memory. Because if the being catches her, the very first thing they're going to do, they, they've already abducted her since she was three years old. They right, know everything right. that woman ever thinks. Right. They know everything. So if she has information about them that is, uh, would some, be harmful, in my opinion, the particular information, if they found that, then they, it should cause some kind of reaction. Well, when you say on both sides of her memory, what do you mean? By that I mean whenever she is going to, she can't remember I can't let, allow her to remember what's going to happen, because if she does that, they're going to catch that instantaneously. So that means they know uh, there's a trap. They that means no memory coming. prior to the event and no memory after the event. Correct. Okay. So uh, whenever they get her, if in fact the information is valid, which this is all hypothesis on my point, I have no idea whether it is or not. The important thing I want to do is install a, a block on the other side. Just like they do us. I understand. So that they can't find out who gave it to her. So you're sending a message to them. Exactly. Okay. Well, uh, she later moves to Florida. And uh, a remarkable situation. That'll all come out in the book. She's one of my seven cases I'm going to review. Right. And you can see here why. So she gets picked up about two weeks later. Uh, remarkable situation. Uh, it, the post at night suggestion does not... At work until she gets within 20 inches of the beam. I set it to go off when she's right next to him. And when she got within 20 inches of him, she woke up completely out of her trance uh -huh. and looks at him completely wide-eyed, and then she spouts out the information. Uh... And he was upset. Well, now, of course, we did not, we did not know this at all until, because this was in November, 
And then on December 8th, 1992, apparently things got worse, and I guess it goes up the food chain. Can you and, relate what the information was? Uh, I can at this time, uh, because uh, because I intend to do it again. Okay, well, that makes sense. You, I intend to do it again. You had specific inside information about them. She was abducted. Um, the, the moment um, came, she uh, awoke and gave them this information. I would went ahead and abducted her anyway, took her to their where whatever procedures they did with her, and apparently it went on up the food chain because now I'm backtracking I'm sure and tried, because we already have the rest of the information. I would imagine there would be repercussions for you. Well, th- th- it would have to be my my uh, detractors. <laughs> Something <laughs> I can think. <laughs> uh, I've often thought most of those people are aliens anyway. Oh. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, at least in some sense of the word. Very strange. Uh, the situation went on that uh, uh, on December 8, 1992, my senior investigator uh, and I were talking, Dale, and he looked at his fingernails and he noticed that they had, had started to grow over the last day or so uh, very rapidly. And he uh, he got freaked out because one of the things I've found with some of these people, not all of them, but some of them, is their hair growth and fingernail growth is remarkable during the abductions, only on some of these people. Hmm. In his case, it's fingernails. He's having to trim his fingernails two and three times a day. Oh, That's my. per day. My, my, my. So he looks at his fingernails and says, oh, my God, something's happened. He said, uh, regress me, let's see what's happened. And he starts to gri- describing the most bizarre situation I've ever heard of how all eight of these people, including this lady, of course, now, if, if, if this, now you can back up and see the story, she was the one that w- we used as the bait, and if you weren't going to abduct me, who, who, who would you get to get the information from but my senior investigator? Because he would uh, ostensibly know everything that I know. Did these eight people know each other? Uh, they, did know, uh, they did know each other, uh, and one of them was in Florida at the time, and the others were in several different cities around Houston. Uh, they, uh, they were our abductees, and it is my opinion, based on everything we've seen since then, that the idea was to find out where the leak was. That's what we would do if we were in an intelligence community. Situation. So, in other words, it really, uh, you're almost back in the CIA. I mean, this is intelligence. I don't see what the counterintelligence. Is. I don't either. I don't either. But I, I, <laughs> uh, I would be very concerned that their uh, mental capabilities are dealing uh, with her, with, with her mental uh, state would be better than your ability to, um, uh, my, 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 well, I, I can see how you really get in trouble. All right, uh, stay right where you are. Daryl Sims is my guest. This is Coast to Coast AM. Of Nye. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. First time callers may reach Art at area code 702 727 1222. 702 727 1222. Now, here again is Art. Once again, here I am. What we are uh, hearing right now virtually is a description of the Manchurian candidate. 
A lady repeatedly abducted. Uh, and then finally, Daryl Sims coming along, an expert uh, hypnotherapist, inducing a memory in her with a message to be delivered to them. Manchurian candidate all the way. Back now to Daryl Sims. Daryl, that's just like the Manchurian candidate. Yes, sir. The <laughs> situation got even better. Okay. As the uh, as we begin to find out who was involved, as soon as we found out there were uh, at least eight people involved, eight of our people, and there were several other people yes. from other places, we we still not found them yet. What we found is that immediately they uh, sectioned uh, six of them off for uh, whatever they were going to do with them, and then they took my senior investigator and they uh, questioned him. There are two beings that came on board that craft that are apparently. Uh, quite high up it uh the other uh little grays and uh i call them cosmic skinheads uh the grays and the uh browns the doctor types as you often uh know about yes uh and you ask about implants i can tell you about that very well because i have a conscious memory of uh getting mine when i was 14 and there was in fact in most of these cases where these people say you know i don't know what happened and it was okay and it was wonderful Whenever I hypnotize these people, if they, we use this type of technique for to get this type of memory, and you put this on video and they look at it, they were absolutely scared out of their minds. I'm sure that's true. Because these beings do not use any form of anesthetic, but uh, they tell you that they did. Well, all right. Um, your chief investigator, what what? Roll over that again, please. He uh, he gets uh, taken by one of the two higher up beings that are there. And in his event, uh, he uh, is questioned at, at great length, and uh, they produce a holographic uh, image in his thinking of a uh, human brain. And uh, they show it to him and ask him where, this being asks him where the uh, human uh, subconscious is. My God. Now, why in the world would they ask that if they already knew? And when he said, well, you know, he's very methodical and very scientific, he, he tries to give them a reasonable answer, and they, the, the being gets very upset, to say the very least. A Norik, which is some people refer to as a human being, type being of the this group, walks over and grabs Dale's head and uh, holds it between his fingers, his hands, yes. looks very closely face-to-face with him, and looks back at the being sitting there and says, he's telling the truth. He doesn't know. And the story just gets more bizarre. Uh, the uh, an amazing thing happens during this time. And to, to, to give a little background on Dale, Linda Moulton Howell uh, re- interviewed Dale once, and she says, in her opinion, that Dale is one of the clearest-headed people she's ever met in her entire life. Uh-huh. He can clearly tell the difference between his emotional state and the events that occur. This is the kind of qualifications that uh, my senior investigator has in the eyes of someone like Linda Moulton Howell, if that carries any weight with anyone else. So he's he's very, very clear. He does not make things up or add to anything. Um, He also, the being uh, asked him right off the bat, he wanted to know why I did what I did. I bet. And he wanted to know why we were meeting. Now, that was amazing to me that they had an interest in that. We found that out in several different ways as well. The lady, on the other hand, is in another room meeting with another being of his ilk, 
and because there seems to be a very militaristic uh, infrastructure in this stuff, and the grays and browns that some of these people seem to like so well are actually uh, on the lowest end of the food chain. They're not even they're not not even treated well. Are they full biological creatures? I'm not even sure about that. Uh, I gave a post-hypnotic suggestion to another one of the one of the eight people who was there uh, later. I wanted a post-hypnotic suggestion to protect herself and her and her two children, and so I did give her one uh, under those conditions. And she actually assaulted the being that came in and tore his eye cup off. Oh, you know, I really think you're messing around with some pretty scary stuff here. Well, I think they shouldn't have been messing around with somebody four years old. Well, I agree with you. Uh, Listen to this fact. Art, your guest is accurate uh, all the way regarding the decoding of the screen memories to get to the truth. Please ask Daryl if he's familiar with the latest scientific proof put forth in the book called The Threat by David Jacobs, Ph.D. The information in the book describes exactly what your guest is saying and... It is an understatement uh, when I say it is frightening. Well, first of all, I know David Jacobs. I, I just I met him for the first time in um, Brazil, and I was sitting in uh, a bar. I don't drink, but uh, I do socialize. Uh, and I was sitting there, and David had his book, and uh, I read it through uh, a little of it, not much, because uh, I didn't have the time, and I certainly didn't want to insult him by sitting there reading his book when I should be out buying it, <laughs> because it's a very good book. Yes. I uh, know David Jacobs from that, and um, he watched my presentation, which dealt with uh, the uh, implant phenomena and a bunch of other physical evidence, of which I have videotapes at the end of this program I'd love to mention. Uh, one of them called The Best Evidence Interview. It's two tapes, and it's just chocked full of evidence you haven't even heard oh, of. Oh, you can mention it right now. You've got two uh, videotapes. Oh, yes. Yeah, so we Let me just touch this very briefly. All right. Let me give my... Uh, a phone number and everything so everybody can call. Be and careful it's a, about... It's a voicemail. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Be, oh, it's voicemail. It's a voicemail. All right. I've done this before. All right. It's a voicemail, and if they call the voicemail, they'll actually get my actual home phone number and, or office number, mm. and then they can call from there if they have an interest beyond that, but everything they need will be on this voicemail. Okay. The voicemail is 281-587-5433. And fr- from 281 there, 281-587-5455. 281-587-5455. And from there, they can get your office? They will get every. They will hear a message on there that will tell them everything they need to know about uh, the videotapes that we have uh, that are available and, uh, and primarily as something I would love for everyone to get, which is an implant and abduction information uh, collection that I have, that it, which is based on the book that I'm writing. In other words, you can get a lot of this at advanced information now. Well, from what I've heard so far, it seems to me that you would be regarded as a threat. Well, let me let me go, go a little further in the story and tell you why I believe the story, but not because I hypnotized eight people independently and separated them, and they all told the identical stories. The only thing different in their stories was they were all offered, offered, I I say offered, not given, offered a screen memory of their choice. One lady wanted to see her dead, uh, deceased brother. And she described him beautifully, except he had large black eyes. Um, Daryl, if these creatures have the ability to tamper with our minds in this manner, what defense do we have? Well, when I was uh, 
four years of about four years old in the first event, uh, I learned a lot. Uh, as a child, I was uh, I don't know if it was rebellious or what, but as they, when the being was standing next to my bed, uh, I was uh, I had this propensity to wake up at the wrong time. I woke up in an OR one time. Uh, I was a, the patient in this case, and I got up off a general anesthetic, got up and walked over and talked to another surgeon who was there and asked him why he was doing what he was doing there. They, the surgeon had actually subbed his workout to another surgeon. And I wanted to know why. So I have a propensity to wake up in the wrong times in trance and yes. this being when he brought me back I was lying on the bed as four years old I can describe the event with incredible detail and because I have conscious memory of it I've never had hypnosis for any of my events I remember much of my events consciously I was not paralyzed I was not in a state of sleep paralysis or any stupid thing like that I know the difference I've had sleep paralysis I know what that is mm-hmm and I was not paralyzed at the time. The being was just standing there. He wasn't doing anything. He had large black eyes. We had a light on our well house out in the back at 1005 South K Street, Midland, Texas. I know exactly where I lived. I knew every rock on that lot. And this being stood there, and at, at that point, uh, I, I was very frightened by looking at him. And he looked, it looked at me with these large round black eyes, not the almond ones. Yes. And he uh, began, at that point, induced uh, a paralysis and I would, became so frightened I pushed so hard against the wall I fell pushed the bed apart from the wall and fell on the floor my little rear end was up and legs were on the bed and my head and shoulders were on the floor and he lifted up the covers on the other side of the bed and looked under the bed and looked at me and those large black eyes programmed an image of a clown now you wonder why so many abductees have clown phobias and they don't know why. Well, again, I say, uh, any being that can do what these beings can do to us mentally, uh, aside from somebody like yourself working for our side, what hope do we have? Well, even as a four-year-old, I had an ability I didn't know. And it's called resistance. And what happened is I would not allow him to do that. As he changed his image to me to look like a clown, his image kept changing back to what he really looked like because I wanted to remember him for what he was. Mm. And I have never been deceived by the image of something else they've programmed. What do they want with us? Lord have mercy. I have no idea. I mean, I, I wished I had all the wonderful answers in the world that... Uh, and, uh, and some of my detractors seem to think I think I have those. I do not. <laughs> I, I wished I did. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, What's your best guess? Well, I have six reasons why I think they may be picking us up. And I can't prove this, and there may be a hundred reasons, but there seem to be at least six. Right. One of the reasons, and I'll give them in three sets of twos, the first is science and technical. Uh, when I spoke to Pat Parnello, who's the, he's the gentleman that uh, we did the surgery on his hand yes. and took the implant out. Yes. Wonderful man. I told him there's something different about you, and he looked at me. He's a very, very, uh, a very kind and a very good gentleman, and would not brag on himself at all. And he said, "There's nothing different about me." I said, "Oh, yes, there is." I said, "You feed that to somebody else." <laughs> I said, "You're so different." I said, "I promise you, they're after you for a reason." I said, "It's science or technical." I suspect that's where you're at. And he said, "But I'm not a scientist, and I'm not this." And I said, "I don't care." 
I said, I, and then he sat down and showed me some of the most incredible technical stuff I ever saw. Okay. For hours. So science and technical, but they don't say, they're not interested in your skill. They're, they don't care if you have a two or three PhDs in science. That's not what they're after. What are they after? They're after the way you process science and technical data. Huh. You seem to process differently than other people, and Pat is a beautiful example of it. All right. My senior investigator is a beautiful example of it. All right. No, that makes sense. Uh, they would already know what we know, they but, already but know the way it. They we don't process that. it, that but makes they're sense. they're interested in the way you process. You gotcha. process something different than they do, gotcha. than, than other people. You're not necessarily smarter or anything like that. I don't say that at all. The second group is of two things seems to be spiritual and psychical. And in this, uh, there again, they're not after Billy Graham. They don't want the br brilliant uh, and, and top people in, in, this, in the spiritual things or, or the top psychics in the world, Gene Dixon or something like that. They're not interested. When they're you... interested in how you process. As if they're looking for an, an, a neural level of how you do differently than any other person. And in the third level has to do with physiological or uh, psychological learning abilities in which you're not, either not taught anything mm -hmm. or you're taught very little. Mm -hmm. Now, when I presented this uh, theory at uh, Bob Brown's conference uh, years ago, uh, Dr. Carla Turner, a uh, dear friend of mine, was sitting out there with her husband, Elton, and uh, they were listening to this, and uh, a lady stood up in the middle of one of my detractors, <laughs> actually stood up in the middle of the conference and just shouted. She says, prove it. And I told her that I said I fit in the last two categories. Which are? The physiological and psychological learning with uh, very little uh, training or, or no training. Mm -hmm. She said, prove it. And I said, well, um, young lady, I said, I have a, at the time, a third degree black belt in Japanese karate. She says, a lot of people have that. I said, well, this is not like some systems where you can order your belt in advance. <laughs> I said, lady, I said, this is something you have to earn. It's about like a four-year education. Yes. And she says, so, a lot of people have that. And I said, yes, but they probably had a teacher. Uh, I said, go try to get a third degree black belt in Shotokan karate anywhere. All of this was done uh, without... On my own. On your own. So, in other words, you have ways, you have learning abilities uh, at, at some level, not necessarily with an IQ of 600. It, it has nothing to do with how smart you are. It has to do with the way you process. The way you process. That's all it is. All right. It's not, it's not anyone being more intelligent than anyone. And, uh, and there was, I just listed a host of things, and finally this lady uh, got real, uh, real uh, ticked off, and finally I, I told her something else. I said, uh, the next thing I'm going to tell you, Sugar, I said is... <laughs> I said I taught myself how to uh, walk over broken glass and fire um, in a martial art demonstration at New Mexico State University for the associated students with 250 people present. It's on film. I said I'd be glad to show it to you if you'd like. I said in that particular demonstration, I'm uh, transferring my ability to another person. I'm a white belt at the time, and he's a black belt. I said, that's all on film if you want to watch it. And I said, now I have a question for you, young lady. Do you have she all this on your videotapes? Oh, yes. Well, she says, she says, what's the question? And I said, how would you like to play? I well, said, you know, we can do this with you, too. Well, boy, she backed off real fast. I understand that. But the, but the point is that it, it, those are six things that, I, that seem to me, they seem to be interested in. I, there may be a hundred. What about the genetic... Uh, and reproductive angles. Oh, you, you really hit a, a major chord here. Uh, 
let me just touch on that. And uh, this this gets a little scary. Um, uh, it, it, most people think that we're here. They're here to quote unquote. Um, uh, they've improved us and they've done this, and or they've even made us. I I don't think that's the case at all. Okay. There's an ancient saying uh, in the Bible that says you were created wonderfully. Uh, when you study that, you find out that uh, in every biological sense and every mental sense that we are uh, an, an incredible uh, creation. Well, the amazing thing about that is that uh, when you find that you have 15 billion neurons and 250,000 uh, 150,000 miles of neural network inside your head, uh, most of which you probably never use in your entire life, probably don't use over a few hundred feet of it, uh, if you don't use your brain, somebody's going to probably do it for you. Governments will. Dictators will, and so will other beings from other places. And Daryl Sims. Well, (laughs) (laughs) the interesting thing about this is in the breeding program, uh, some people, uh, if you look at the breeding program that's going on and what's going on in ancient times from ancient literature, from well, according to Sitchin, uh, they basically bred people to be slaves. I mean, that's not a very high or high ideal for mankind, if even if that were true. That is indeed what he believes. That's exactly what the man says. Uh, so it seems that, uh, according to him and some other people, they seem to be breeding us up. My my view is that we better be looking at it a little differently. They may not be breeding us up. They may be breeding themselves up. Or they may be breeding us down or out. Or using us to refresh their genetic pool. If that is the case. But the point is they're doing something, and they will not tell you what it is. And I'll tell you uh, uh, a major thing I, I am very concerned about. I'm real concerned about the easy stuff that hypnotists and others are finding. It's just too easy. It's the stuff that's behind that's what you better be looking for. And I'll even give them a great hint. After you hear everything, and this is what I did with the lady on the mass abduction. She was the last one that I interviewed out of the eight. Right. And I asked the question, I said, is there anything else that you saw, you sensed, you heard in any way that you can tell me anything that I've missed? And she said, no, you've got everything. We've been there for hours. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. I said, I want to ask you one last question. She said, okay. I said, is there anything that you're not supposed to tell me? <laughs> and she stayed for an hour and a half and described my last abduction event of when I was 17 years old. She described all five of those beings they're not listed in the literature anywhere. She described them in detail. So she then described they, what they did, everything. They sent this back to you? No, uh, she overheard it on the craft. Is That was her right. interpretation. Well, she does not know to this day whether she was right or correct, because I never did tell her. But I'll tell you one thing, she stood the hair up on the back of my neck. Yeah, you seem to keep an awful lot of this very close to the vest. All right, uh, Daryl, hold on. When we get back, we are going to take phone calls. From a physician in the audience, Art, I hope that all out there, including MDS, psychiatrists at all, and psychologists, are listening very carefully. And there is more involved here than a contacts that are transformative and designed to raise our consciousness. This is serious business, and it deserves the skills and serious evaluation that Daryl Sims and others of his caliber offer. Serious business indeed. Can you imagine sending a message to them? It's something I've wondered about for years. When we get back, 
We are going to open the phone lines. Daryl Sims is an expert in abduction and hard evidence. If you want or have something to say to him, now's the time. This is Coast to Coast AM. with Art Bell in the Kingdom of Nye from outside the U.S. First, dial your access number to the USA. Then, 800-893-0903. If you're a first-time caller, call Art at 702-727-1222. From east of the Rockies, 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana. Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico. Call Art at 1-800-618-8255. Or call Art on the wildcard line at area code 702-727-1295. This is Coast to Coast AM from the Kingdom of Nye. It is, and uh, here I am again. Daryl Sims is my guest, and I'll tell you the kind of responses I'm getting on the phone. I screened the uh, first few calls, which we do when we have a guest. I said, do you have a question for Daryl Sims? First response was, I sure as hell do. So I guess we've got something coming up here. Daryl Sims, a guy off into some pretty frightening areas uh, with regard to E.T.'s. Very frightening areas, actually. Uh, here he is once again. Daryl, are you there? Yes. All right, good. Uh, our phone connection seems to be holding up. Let's go to the phone line and see what we get. All right? Very good. All right, here we go. East, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Daryl Sims. Good morning. Hello. Good morning, guys. You are connected with New Jersey. Kathy here. Hi, Kathy. All right. I have a daughter, 23 years old, who was uh, born with what's called microcephaly. Uh, it's um, smallness of the brain. I was always told that she wasn't going to walk or talk or do anything of the sorts and to put her away, and I never did. And she's not a genius, but she's doing pretty good. Around age 11, I got the scare of my life, and I never forgot it. But not being able to communicate with a child like this, how the hell am I going to find out if I, what I saw was true? She was uh, always afraid of going into the bed, so she slept on the couch like a lot of kids do till around age 10 and a half. I looked out in the hallway, which is about a good 30 feet from where I was sleeping, and I saw what you guys call a regular gray. Those eyes looked at me. I could not get up out of the bed. But I looked at it and I said, get the hell away from her. And with my eye contact, it did leave. She changed from that night on. She went to sleep in the bed. But for one solid year, she would not take her shoes or socks off without going into a tantrum. Her attitude changed about a year, that year later she got uh, violent tantrums. She still to this day is very irritable. 
Um, she draws pictures. She sees things on TV, and when she does see see these people that look like this, she smiles. She does. I say, are you afraid of them? She says, no. That I can contact, but I have this weird feeling that I really should find out what happened. It's left us very uncomfortable. Daryl? I, uh, I totally agree with you that uh, you should find out what happened, and I, and I don't mean to imply uh, to others out there, I have very many friends who are quote-unquote contactees, and, uh, and I don't mean to offend anyone if, if they, uh, I mean, just because my events were different and others may have been radically different, I, I certainly don't mean to indicate that. There are people who even have uh, apparently been um, better off physically from some of their events as a result of their contacts. Uh, we have a lot more cases of where that was not the case. Uh, Bob Pratt in his wonderful book, uh, UFO um, Danger Zone, 30 years of uh, work that he did, and of uh, uh, contacts that have been going on in Brazil, in the Amazon region, uh, that have absolutely devastated those people. Uh, we know of one case where the man's eyes were surgically removed, uh, a case I'm working on now in, in Brazil. What do you recommend to this lady? I recommend that uh, she find somebody, and, and uh, <laughs> I'm very careful here. Yeah. Uh, you find somebody that has uh, skills that can do. That number one, that understands uh, uh, the the physical condition of of the of the person involved, and and through a, a, a doctor or a neurologist or whoever would be, and and, and have them deal with that uh, along that line. I think that uh, it would be wise to find out what actually happened. And uh, uh, I mean, there, it's rather interesting that there's there's two separate views here. The girl has a view that uh, they're okay, and you have uh, a view that oh, I don't think something okay something else is there. <laughs> something uh, something uh, a little frightening. Uh, Calvin Parker and uh, and uh, his friend uh, had two separate views when they came off the craft too. One of them thought he had practically seen the face of God, and the other one uh, came out with himself cut to pieces. Mm-hmm. Literally. The opposite. Yeah, that's so, the way uh, I feel. So, in my view, you should find somebody uh, 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 in, the, in the kindest way. Uh, you know, it, when it comes to my brain or, or my head, somebody's going to be working on. They're going to be the best, or they're not going to be doing anything for me. You bet. Well, I'll that's be trying to is. leave you some voicemail very soon. Oh, uh, right. please uh, let me give you my uh, um, uh, my uh, my. Uh, be careful. Yeah, not my not my regular phone. Just my. Uh, uh, you can uh, contact me by email at uh, Daryl at Hallman dot net. That's D E R R E L. Okay. At Hallman H O L M A N dot net. That's Daryl at Hallman dot net. All right. All right. And, because uh, there is more, and I just don't, I, I, I know if you will if you will contact me there, I will be glad to spend enormous time with you and and help you and and try to get you someone or or uh, assist in any way I can. I, I'm very interested in in making sure that you get the help that you you want. Yeah, because there is a, a communicative uh, problem here. I, I you know believe what I'm me, I understand that. Yeah. All, All right. right, I do. Thank you very much, and uh, good luck to you. Um, Here's the facts, Daryl. My question for Daryl is this. Since he said he was a Christian during the beginning of the interview, has he ever considered that these creatures, in quotes, are of a demonic nature, may be uh, perpetuating the story to satisfy their own end means? Well, that's entirely possible. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I, have to, I have to address this two ways. Number one, I'm a Christian, and, uh, and I, 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 am, I, I hope... 
a, a pretty good uh, Bible student, um, have been for many years, and uh, I'm very interested in that and fascinated with it. Um, the second area I have to address is the fact I'm also an investigator. An investigator does just that. They find evidence. They don't come to conclusions and then go looking for it. They find evidence. They That's find what evidence. I'm doing. Right. All right. But uh, along that line, then, from Hawaii, the following. With the aliens possessing such advanced technical capabilities, wouldn't it be rather easy for them to create a false memory that we would be unable to unlock, even with hypnosis and regression, and that, in fact, the information Mr. Sims is bringing forth might just as likely be planted? Well, this is uh, entirely possible. Uh, one of the things that was rather amusing uh, in the mass abduction event is I had given Dale a post-hypnotic suggestion as well, that if he ever came into contact with one of these beings to take control of him the same way they do us, and he did. And it was amazing to me that the beings that were present, giving the being instructions to get Dale out of the area, uh, the being couldn't do it. And the being was just shaking because Dale was giving it commands uh, mentally the same way that they give them to us. Uh, well, that suggests to me that the neurology of the beings, especially the smaller ones, seems to be very simplistic and very easy to maneuver. The beings themselves, in my opinion, just based on what I'm finding, seems to have a, an enormous hierarchy. The ones that we normally come into contact with and see are really low end of the food chain. There's no mm -hmm. question of that. But uh, to address back in the other direction for this other guy's question and for this person, there are a few cases where angelic beings apparently, uh, or at least reportedly, and I have to use that term reported because we don't know, reportedly uh, show up on occasion. This is usually pretty rare when you hear these stories, but uh, in cases where that has occurred, the alien presence, regardless of their rank or ability or whatever they are, they hightail it. Now that, to me, signals some real interesting things it, if the story is true. It does, if it is. Uh, hello, Art. Ask Daryl about means of protection against these beings. There has to be a way. Let's not portray humans as totally defenseless. I don't think you've done that. Uh, you pointed out that they do have weak points. Uh, what is a good defense? Well, there are uh, resistance techniques that uh, Andruffel and others have uh, worked on, and others, and, and I'm working with a group of people now to explore this because it's important for me uh, to be able to offer somebody uh, if they if they feel like they need defense techniques to, to do just that. Something. I, I've also heard that they are not physically strong. Uh, I've heard reports from a number of abduction cases, including uh, Travis Walton, for example, uh, where these beings have been punched or pushed and were punched and pushed very easily. This is true. This I, I can tell you that from my own experience. Um, one of the things that you, uh, one can do, uh, and I'm going to give a list of them, and of course these are, uh, as I said, I, I'm, a, uh, I'm a Christian, uh, and, and I have uh, ideas that I, I feel that are, are valid and, and certainly want to see those tested out there in the realm as well if it's going to happen. Uh, by the same token, there are other people who have made suggestions that I feel that uh, should be exploited as well and to uh, see what works. Um, some of them ex in existing here is... Uh, uh, some people have actually used prayer, and, and, and some of these, I have to admit, are not Christians. Uh, one lady who was a Buddhist priest 
told me she used the name Jesus. And, and I asked her, I said, why are you using a resistance technique uh, of the name of Jesus to, uh, I mean, you're, you are Buddhist. And she says, well, I may be Buddhist, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> so I I appreciated her statement. I mean, you know, whatever works, that's that's fine for me. That's right. Um, and uh, some people use visualization with uh, white light surrounding them and so on. Um, um uh, some people actually uh, use uh, spiritual and mental techniques. Uh, I use post-hypnotic suggestions because they're effective. In so it's view. entirely possible, Daryl, this whole thing is spiritual in nature. That's entirely possible. All right. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with Daryl Sims. Hello? Hi, is it my turn? It's your turn. Where are you? I'm in Denver. Okay, you're going to have to yell at us a little bit. You're not too loud. Okay, I'm, I'm just a little bit nervous. Um... I've had things happen to me, and it's it's caused me at times to question my sanity, and of at course. other times it seems very real to me. And so I'm just I'm kind of torn. I know that I'm given to dramatics, but there are just things that have happened to me that make me think maybe there's something deeper to this. Um, what kind of things? The most the most recent. Um, happenings are I will lie down at night to go to bed. This has happened twice. I'll lie down to go to bed. And I'll just be closing my eyes to drift off, and there will be a really brilliant flash of light. Um, and I open my eyes, and it's dark, and I go to sleep. And then I have what, what I've come to call teaching dreams. Mm. And, yeah. and I wake up without any memory of what I was taught. Um, but the one that stands out most clearly is just before I came came to out of the dream uh, there, there was a being I couldn't see a face it's, it's a voice that I heard inside my head I don't know if it was male or female saying we'll come back and we will, we will talk to you at, at about 6 o'clock in the morning I think it was they gave a time um, in the future um, so that's happened I've had, I've had dreams of um, like almost an invasion force with the spaceships and stuff, which could be anything. It could be watching too much X-Files, only to find that <laughs> three or four people the next day that I come in contact with have had almost identical dreams, and that's a little blood chilling. Uh, that's, but, that's very chilling. Uh, Daryl, uh, mass dreams, similar dreams, typical? Uh, many times when they pick up uh, people in, a, in an area, they'll pick up several and uh, sometimes they'll install the same, uh, the same, uh, usually end of the world scenarios. Uh, in my case, when I was quite young, uh, they gave me an end of the world scenario, and I was standing there in the midst of a, a red sky. I mean, it was people running, screaming uh, insanely, and uh, and I'm standing there wondering what is what's going on here. The fact is, if you could shake yourself right then, you'll find that uh, if you're in the craft or wherever it is they take you, uh, that there there is no end of the world or anything. That in fact that's all a surrealistic image given by them, and you'll find them standing there watching you. Projected for what purpose? Uh, that's a real good question. I don't know. I don't know. When I, I, I don't you like know, it. you know, I, I, except for the physical evidence that you continue to uncover, it it all fits into a, almost a spiritual war going on. It that seems to be the case uh, from a, a number of things. I I have. Uh, 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 I have uh, some questions I ask people who uh, take the opposite view, and I've never been able to get a, an answer from them yet. And I'll, I'll go into that in a moment because undoubtedly we'll get one on the phone here in a minute, and I'll, I'll ask them. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll work it that way. All right. First time caller line, you're on the air with Daryl Sims. Hi. Hi, Art. Mr. Sims? Yes. 
Yes, my name is Todd. I'm calling from Fort Hood, Texas. You probably know where that is. I sure do. Okay. Um, I'm assigned to an organization called INSCOM. Do you know what that means? What, what is it? Intelligence and Security Command. Yes. Be the old Army Security Agency. Yes. I'm what they call a 98 kilo, if you know what that means. Okay. And basically my job, without going into a lot of detail, is we listen to everything. Yes. And... Um, this event. The question is, have you ever encountered any of this when you are on active duty? Uh, I did not encounter uh, anything directly. What I did encounter, what I did do while I was in the Central Intelligence Safety was investigate several UFO uh, events that occurred, and I found out some other information indirectly that I want to get permission to be able to publish it. Good luck. Uh, because I think that uh, it will tie into it, but I, I didn't... Uh, I didn't have direct contact myself. What did happen in the Houston UFO Network meeting several years ago is a gentleman uh, came and visited the meeting. There were three of us speaking. I was speaking that night on implants. This was years before uh, when no one even knew what an implant was at that point uh, as far as aliens were concerned. And I was speaking on implants that night and what I thought we would find. And this gentleman wrote me a letter afterward. And he identified himself as being in the Central Intelligence Agency. Uh, he s identified himself in an area very similar to where you're at. He watched uh, traffic uh, uh, come across his desk, and he saw something one day that absolutely frightened him, and he told me about it. Now, I didn't particularly necessarily believe his story, nor him claiming this ability or this, uh, having this information until he identified certain things that I knew that only agency people would know. One of the things I found rather interesting is uh, he told me about something that was going to occur, and uh, two things. He said, number one, he said, the area you're in and the area of implants, he said, you need to exploit as quickly as you can. He said, uh, you're there. And I thought that was rather interesting. This was years before we did any surgeries. Number two, he told me of an event that was going to occur involving uh, a zombie-like uh, person and I thought, well, this is real. This has got to be the farthest out thing I've ever heard. And uh, shortly after that, he sent me a uh, an article. Shortly after he predicted this, and he just said uh, it begins, and it showed an an article from the FBI of a person in a zombie-like state robbing banks. He used no gun. He didn't do anything. He just walks in, tells you give him money, and everybody does, and they don't know why they do it. Back to the Manchurian candidate. Very strange. And he predicted that long before the event. And he sent me the, I have the, the newspaper articles. They cannot catch this guy after nine bank robberies. Wow. <laughs> no gun, nothing, no getaway car, just walks out. Well, um, I do appreciate you answering my question, sir. The event I wanted to relate to you, again, I'm, I can't corroborate any of this. Um, it's happened in 88. I was assigned to a unit in Lebanon doing what we do out yeah. there. And... Um, we were tracking, um, basically, watching the Israelis and the Syrians play their games up around 15,000 feet. Yes. And uh, there was a couple of Syrian MiG-21s that were tracking an object that uh, their GCI had ordered them to intercept. And uh, one of the pilots evidently got lost. He turned back. The, the, evidently, the flight leader, the more experienced pilot, closed with the target. And... Um, I was hearing this secondhand because I was my specialty is Morse code. But yes, of course. Arabic linguist was what kind of relay in this, you know, half half out, half off, and he got very agitated at the end. 
and it took us a while to, you know, he had to work through the translation, but he was sort of describing some type of cylindrical object. Caller, can you hold on through the break? Sure thing. All right, uh, stand by. Very interesting. Closed with what target? With what results? All right, we're going to take a break here at the bottom of the hour. Daryl Sims is my guest. Uh, the topic by now should be obvious. I'm Art Bell, and this is Coast to Coast AM. In the Kingdom of Nye on the Wild Card Line at area code 702-727-1295. That's area code 702-727-1295. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. It is. Good morning, everybody. My guest is Daryl Sims. The topic, alien implants, alien contact, alien abduction. It's on the wild side. But it's real. Real as a heart attack. Good morning. Actually, a remarkable program. Uh, reminiscent of the Manchurian Candidate. Back now to Daryl Sims. Daryl? Yes, sir. Okay, uh, we've got this very interesting caller. Uh, caller, you want to finish your story? I mean, here we've got something closing with a contact, some sort of cylindrical uh, object. Uh, go ahead. Yes, sir. Um, well, to uh, cut through a lot, a lot of, uh, make a long story short, this uh, Syrian fighter pilot, evidently, he continued to close with a cylindrical object, and he kept describing it. And about 15 minutes after he, he got visual sighting, he asked permission to, to engage. Well, there was a lot of hemming and hawing between between evidently the headquarters types. Uh, but uh, eventually, about 15 minutes later, he's been pacing this thing the entire time. Uh, they gave him permission to to engage, and he locked on. He got a, a solid radar lock with with a uh, one of his missiles, and he released. And three seconds after that, he went OTA. Which is off the air. I mean, his carrier was gone. I mean, he was out, he was out of there. Well, uh, this is where it gets really interesting because we were plotting where he was on our map, and he, he basically he was not too far from where we were. So, being that this was um, this was broad daylight, by the way, this is like late in the afternoon. Right. Okay. So we kept uh, we were waiting for you know see like a smoke plume. Or where this guy was coming down, and we heard if we heard, maybe not heard, but he, he, he ever feel shell fire or feel vibrations, something hit, hitting very hard. Oh yes, very close. Oh yes, we felt it. We didn't hear a thing, and um, we um, finally did see a smoke plume which we figured was about five clicks away. So we figured, you know, what the hey. We grabbed uh, the cut V, and we all piled in, leaving a few people behind to 
sit on the thermite charges for the equipment, and we rolled on over there, keeping an eye out because, you know, where we were was isn't exactly, you know, everybody was going to shoot at us, basically. So they call it a free fire zone. But uh, we rolled over there, and we found what we, first we thought he'd just uh, been shot. So he, he fired, he got in an engagement, and he just, he was shot down. Mm-hmm. We got closer to the wreckage, and we noticed a lot of odd things, which the main thing was nothing nothing was twisted. The plane had evidently, the the smoke we'd seen was from the fuel igniting. What it, it's, it's very difficult to describe. It was like, so like, like somebody parks the plane and then took it apart bit by bit and then, you know, threw the bits and pieces everywhere. They weren't burned. They weren't. It wasn't. It wasn't a plane wreck. It wasn't like he hit the ground. It was. It's like, like it was taken apart in the air, and then put on the ground. And what we'd seen from the smoke plume was the fuel igniting because the fuel tanks were exposed. Right. And there was a JP4 everywhere, and it doesn't take a whole lot for that stuff to go off. Sure. And there was exposed electrical uh, equipment, and evidently something had sparked, and that had like set of course, up yeah, the sure. fuel Sure. Understandable. And we found the pilot. And, you know, he was, you know, Syrian Army officer. He was a major. And um, he had, he was basically like he was, it was like he was asleep. We, he wasn't, there was, he hadn't punched out. He was not in his chair. He was laying on his back. I mean, he was like he just got out of the plane, laid down, and then he died. I mean, he was, he was dead. This, you know, he, we no kind of. No damage to the body? There were not, it was like, like I said, it's like he got out, parked the plane, took it apart, and then laid down and died. We couldn't find anything wrong with him. I mean, it, we, you know, we, we took, uh, we took all the, um, you know, we, we, we did our job. We took all the, you know, you, you know, the material that we could take. Sure. As far as, um, incidentals, like books, very, anything, you know what I'm talking about. Sure, of course. Um, but this this weirded us out to a very large effect. And uh, well, listen, I appreciate the story. Yeah, and <laughs> one hell of yeah. a story. Um, thank and you. I, I've never told you. You have this amazing. I've been listening to you about six months, and I've been going like this was pretty wild. And then I didn't expect to get through tonight. And uh, right now I'm see uh, as Mr. Sims will wear. Uh, there's a you have a fan club art and. Uh, Many organizations with uh, alphabet soup in their names. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Uh, pretty wild story, Daryl. Yes, uh, we had a, uh, a we had a situation in which um, literally uh, 200 uh, conscripts of the uh, Iranian army on the second day of the Iran-Iraq War were all abducted at the same time. Now these were all professional people, doctors, lawyers. They're all officers. The amazing thing about it is nine UFOs came over on the second day of the Iran-Iraq War, and they thought that what those things up there were were that some secret objects that we had craft that we had sold the uh, Iraqis to use against them. So they started firing our Hawk missiles at them and were not able to hit them. Good God. And shortly after that, they abducted all 200 people present. 
absolutely amazing case. We're still following it. We have a Iranian general that is confirming some information. I have a case with him I'm working on. Uh, he was uh, in the he was a major during the time of the Shah of Iran, and he reports uh, based on interviews that uh, Dr. Lear and I have done with him that uh, he may have had missing time during the time he was actually trailing a UFO in his airplane. We are about to go back to war with Iraq. It would appear to be very close. Nobody's going to join us, even Qatar, the small country, um, and most other um, Arab countries have declined to participate. But it looks like we're about to go uh, back to war again. With Boris Yeltsin threatening World War III from Russia, the Chinese threatening, uh, we're in a pretty tenuous position and moment in history, uh, Daryl. If there was going to be intervention, you would imagine uh, it would be close. If we're going to look for intervention, I don't, I don't think we're going to find it from a, a stack of UFOs anywhere. It's going to have to be a little higher than that, in my view. Okay. Wild card line, you're on the air with Daryl Sims. Hi. Hi, Art. Um, this is Kathy in Reno. Yes, Kathy. Um, boy, am I happy with you. Um, Mr. Sims, this is a, a truly an honor. Um, I, I'd like to engage you for just a moment. Uh, first, I, I feel as though everything that every little bit and piece of um, information I'm already familiar with, like the, the clown thing. Yes, ma'am. And everything you've mentioned, I feel like um, you and I sat in the same classroom together or something. It's very strange. When you, you read my book, when it comes out, it's going to absolutely stagger you. There's oh. things in there that people have never even heard of. Absolutely. I am already staggered. I'm, I'm beside myself this morning. Anyway, okay, your conclusions and manner of tracking their intentions... Yes, ma'am. I think are absolute, uh, absolutely logical and by the numbers. Um, you're the first person I've ever heard of who initi- is initiating aggressive intellectual interaction. Absolutely. Proactive. Uh, proactive. Is that is word. Absolutely. Um, and it's dangerous, but it's brilliant because it's our only chance to combat and halt this intrusion. I think it's very dangerous. Oh, yeah. Yes, it is. But it's, I, it's the only way that we're going to um, prove ourselves as opponents that will not necessarily allow this to... We will work with you, but don't be taking our babies out of our bedroom, mm. their bedroom windows at night, you know. Um, I have a question, sir. Um, okay. Let me see. My my brain function has been accelerating for a long time. Art, I'm the one that called last night and asked James about the location, if that was where he found it, and he said yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, along those lines, I've got extreme accelerations. I don't feel like I've ever been abducted. Um, my but, but do you think that you have a different uh, way of uh, assembling information? Oh, absolutely. I, my, my, my brain function is... It, it amazes me because I'm, my comprehensive skills are out the window and I just am constantly being bombarded with information. All right. Uh, this lady, uh, Daryl, called last night and uh, Ed Dames believes that he has found a Stargate and she was able to identify the general physical location where he found it. Uh, very, very interesting uh, lady. 
Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Daryl Sims. Hi. Good morning, Art and uh, Mr. Sims. Hi. Um, Art, I think you're um, likening this situation to the Manchurian candidate may be um, more prophetic than you know. I want to mention to your audience out there that there's a U.S. News and World Report article of January 24th, 1994, that may be um, very interesting in this regard. Um, Mr. Sims, when did you um, cease work from the CIA? I uh, worked for the Central Intelligence Agency, and uh, that was I went in the in the military. And 10 uh, 10 March uh, 68, I got out in 71. I spent a year in Korea. I spent two years in the Central Intelligence Agency from 68 to 70. Okay, because this article here is titled uh, "Cold War Guinea Pigs: The Government's Secret Experiments Using Radiation, Mind Control Chemicals, Mind Control Chemicals, and Drugs on Its Citizens." And it goes on in the report, talks about how thousands, possibly thousands of people were, were worked on by the government um, under the uh, theory that we needed to because of the Cold War. They were given LSD, uh, electroshocks. I am familiar with this, and that is that what you're saying is, in fact, true. So do you think this could, um, something that I've just kind of gotten into recently is the um, whole issue of mind control. Uh, with very Bal- good Walter Bowart's work. A very good movie would be um, uh, Conspiracy Theory. I think everyone should watch that. Sure, um, I've seen it. Uh, but uh, how do you think this could be linked with the um, whole abduction phenomenon? Uh, you bring up a very good question, and I'd love to address that. Um, first of all, uh, uh, the, you, we have several different layers uh, in this abduction business. Uh, one of the discussions that Carla Turner and I had many times was uh, the military, quote-unquote, aspect of this. In other words, these people would be abducted, and there would be these guys standing there in military uniforms. And my response to her is, well, I don't doubt that there are things being done in the intelligence community to some people. I said it is a known fact that LSD and other things were used on people, and the disease germs were spread over New York City. I mean, th- these are facts. I mean, the, the CIA and other groups got sued for this sort of thing. It actually happened. The situation I had with uh, with uh, Candy or, or Carla Turner was this. I said, some of the problems I'm having with some of the people with these quote-unquote military guys standing there with their name tags and, and uh, stripes on or, or bars or whatever they've got, is that, do you think that anybody in the military would be stupid enough to wear their uniform with a name tag on it if they were going to abduct you and it was going to be a super-secret, ultra-secret, secret deal? Only if they thought there'd be no memory. Well, the thing is that uh, there, they, memory can be retrieved. It would seem to me, number one, and because we've seen this with the, the abduction phenomena with the alien, they will often install the memory of the military people present. I mean, if you want to get your, your mm-hmm. guns off of them and onto someone else, blame somebody else. Sure. Because we'll, we'll buy that. Uh, it doesn't you... mean that there has, isn't military people doing this sort of thing, but they just wouldn't be wearing their uniforms, what I'm saying. I can ask you two questions real quick here. Uh, this one may be kind of off the wall. Uh, do you think it's possible that um, Tim McVeigh could have been a Manchurian, could be a Manchurian candidate? And uh, this, that, I have no idea. I, that, I just absolutely have no idea. I've heard this theory before, and uh, I, 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 I just don't know. I mean, that, I, I wouldn't know how to address that. And number two, uh, do you think we could be set up for some type of massive uh, you know, deception uh, via the um, whole issue of abductions? And um, and I'll just I'll get off the line and listen to your comments. Okay, right. sure, sure. The uh, the possibility uh, uh, does in fact abduction exist, and if these beings can uh, do strange things to the mind, human mind, uh, therefore abductions may not have ever even occurred. Uh, 
Uh, this is entirely possible. The problem I have with that is this. Number one, UFOs are real because they can be seen. If they can be seen, they're reflecting light. If they're reflecting light, they're real. The event is real. You're photographing something real. Often you can photograph, uh, and in one case, in, in Gulf Breeze, a UFO changed color uh, 118 times in, in a second and a half. Now, I talked to the uh, expert, to Jeff Sino, who, who studied that photo. Um, the fact is that something is there. Some kind of craft is actually there. The beings are, in fact, really real. Uh, I'll be receiving a photograph within a few days, uh, which uh, alleges, uh, and a very good friend of mine says that uh, the, you'll see a craft here, and you'll also see two beings in it. If that's the case, uh, that would be something rather interesting to study to see. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Something clear enough that you can actually see it. See the, the beings sitting beings in the, in, inside the craft, apparently. So, uh, and I've got several other photographs that, I've got some photographs that are just going to blow your mind when you see them in the book, uh, uh, being uh, pictures of the aliens. It is, it is my opinion that what we're going to see, if we ever really, quote unquote, photograph one up close, and we ever get it done, and, I, and, and it can be done, because I've got some techniques that I'm going to work on uh, here uh, very soon. I've got a benefactor who said they would even help finance uh, this project. But I think the beings can actually be photographed. I think you can actually photograph the abduction experience and not even let them know it. Well, I know pe people have tried to uh, video record abduction. It won't work that way. They'll, they'll, it they'll, never they'll has. They'll spot it every time. It will, it will, you will never film an abduction that way. Um, my my understanding is that generally either the videotape is blank, the machine is turned off, or in some way it never works. They spot the machine on, and I think a lot of it has to do with the the fact is they can read they they examine your thinking before they get there, and they know what's in that room because they know what you you're thinking and and what you what you pro, what you've set up. Then I don't see what chance we have if they have the ability to manipulate. Our thinking, the way you're suggesting they do, uh, but they Darryl. can't do everything. There are holes in their thinking. Uh, one of the things that uh, uh, a, a very important person in the UFO field asked me one time says, "Well, I find you very, very uh, controversial." And I said, "And what is that? What is that, sir?" And he says, "Well, you said that these little, the little grays are not that intelligent." He said, "That's outrageous, and I don't see how you could possibly make that kind of a statement." And I said, "Real simple." I said, watch my lips. They're not that intelligent. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen an alien? No. Have you ever seen a UFO? No. Have you ever had a close encounter of the first, second, third, or fourth kind? No. Then what qualifies you to tell me anything about an alien? Mm -hmm. I said, I've been there up close and personal. You might say I was a captive audience for about 17 years. From Frank in Custer, Washington, uh, he says, a hell of a program, Art. One possibility is that we humans might be, to a certain group of aliens, uh, virtually a resource, just like everything else on the planet. Simply a resource. Could we be that to them? This is possible. Uh, I think the, the thing that we, we need to be looking at, um, uh, I think the implant thing is uh, certainly a serious thing, uh, uh, whatever they may be. But I think what's really important is that we need to find out what this breeding business is. Uh, everybody has different ideas about that. Uh, I don't really care what the theories are. I really care about what the data really will suggest. And let me preface that by saying this, that when I talk about these screensaver memories, uh, this illustration I use on your computer, we have found as many as three layers of screensavers before we ever really got to the real memory of what happened in that event. Hmm. 
and that individual did not know the difference between any of those three. And if the hypnotist doesn't know that, he'll he'll go to one or go to two or the third or whatever, and whatever he pulls out, he'll consider that the big one. Daryl, there's a lot of very strange behavior in modern society, really strange, unaccountable behavior. Uh, how can we know that it isn't the result of uh, repeated abduction and uh, instilled memory? Manchurian candidate stuff. This again. is this is a it, it's a, a frightening aspect, and I certainly hope that uh, that it is not the case. Uh, there are there are situations that uh, that do bother me. Uh, one such such situation is uh, a case I had, and and and. Uh, well, the caller mentioned Oklahoma City. I mean, that's just one. Well, that, that's just one. I, I, I tell you what. Hold on, we're at the top of the hour again. Daryl Sims is my guest. You want to know about Daryl Sims? Go up to my website, click on his name. And take a look at his top secret clearance, now converted to secret. Just so you know who you're listening to, I'm Art Bell. This is Coast to Coast AM. Kingdom of Nye, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. From east of the Rockies, call Art at 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico, at 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers may reach Art at area code 702-727-1222. And you may fax Art at area code 702-727-8499. Please limit your faxes to one or two pages. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Now again, here's Art. I wonder how you fight somebody who can control what you see and perceive. Daryl Sims says you can. It's hard for me to understand. Well, all right, we're going to try to reserve this hour away for you and Daryl Sims. Daryl, are you there? I am here. All right. Uh, you think you can make it through the hour? Uh, not a problem. All right. Here they come. First time caller line. You're on the air with Daryl Sims. Hi. Hello. Hello. This is Rick from Fresno, California. Yes, sir. KFRE. Yes. Uh, outstanding show tonight. Thank you. Um, I was my one question to, to Mr. Sims is not discounting the creation theory with God and. And, and and not you know not ba not discounting that, but what was what is his opinion that maybe the we were seated here you know brought from other another place right seated, and now the results of the abductions and everything are just basically results of them checking up on us and, and uh, following up on their research to see how we're progressing as a as a whole, well, I think uh, I think it's a, an interesting uh, thought, and I think that's 
these are type things that we need to ask, obviously. Uh, my, my response to that is simply that uh, there are a number of things that we need to be looking at. Uh, one is exactly what exactly is happening. Uh, in other words, things are too simple. I mean, we're finding uh, them doing uh, thousands of uh, the same basic procedures on people over and over and over. I mean, either you're so slow you can't get it, or that's not what you're really doing. <laughs> but that's what we're supposed to think you're doing. Right. There's so much deception involved in this stuff that I, I, I'm, 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 you try to keep this logical mind about it. You know, we'll just do this and do that, and you'll find the, these logical things will happen. It'll all be science. It'll just be higher science, right? But just not always and true. And it just isn't gelling out to be that. Yeah. And I don't understand that. You know that. Um, well, I, I appreciate your saying that. I, I, I'm wary of people who have answers for everything, Daryl. Wildcard line, you're on the air with Daryl Sims. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you, sir? I'm in uh, Everett, Washington. My oh. name's Jeff. All right, Jeff. Yeah, my uh, I, I got a couple of questions for you. One of them, uh, Daryl, you mentioned you're a Christian, and I'm I'm wondering, have you been a Christian for a long time, or since I was six years old? Since you were six years old, that's correct. Because um, I've I've recently read a book by a, a gentleman named Chuck Messler. Yes. Uh, Alien. Um, Encounters. I believe yes, it is. I know the book. And uh, he, one of his claims was that a Christian cannot be abducted, which that is not true. Okay, that is, that is not I, an and I, I thought statement. the same thing too. And I, I've recently um, had some experiences in in my uh, dreams, and I too am a Christian, uh, which uh, led me to believe that uh, perhaps he was wrong. I'm not going to go into that, but of course, of course, it's. it's not, uh, not not the place to argue it, but uh, I, I what I'd like to back to uh, Genesis six uh, when it when it talks of, about the um, Benai Elohim and and the the Nephilim. Are you familiar with this? Yes, I am very familiar with it. Okay, and in, and back into Jude. Okay, well I guess we lost him. Uh, 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 he was about to talk though about uh, the Nephilim, those the genetic uh, engineering that uh, that occurred there, and uh, it is significant. That uh, not only did the uh, the uh, beings that fell, and uh, Sitchin uses the term uh, the ones who came down, but that's not the actual Hebrew term. It means the ones who fell. I mean, they were thrown out. Is what it means. And these, uh, if you take the biblical posi position, which I do, that these beings were thrown out. They came here. They apparently interbred with uh, women and produced giants. Uh, it was well, that was just the, the first genetic offspring that occurred. Uh, this occurred actually after the children of Israel went over to the land of Canaan. They found the giants also there. They found several races of them. But my point is this. If you follow that story further over into Isaiah, you'll find that uh, when these giants were drowned out by the flood and so on, and killed off and so on, they did not, uh, in the Christian thinking, and, other, and, and, Arab, and Arabs and others, many of them feel the same way, when you die, you go to heaven or hell or whatever. Um the Nephilim, uh, the the races of giants or those that were interbred, uh, they didn't go anywhere. They stayed here. And this is kind of answers some of the questions some of these people are bringing up. Mm -hmm. uh, they, these are the demonic spirits that people talk about. The demons are not the aliens. The left, or the, the, it says that the Rophim, or the, which is one, it's a generic term for the for the Nephilim. The Rophim should not rise in the resurrection simply because they're already here. They didn't go anywhere. They're still here. 
and those are in fact the cases of demon possession you find that is not mental illness or anything like that I saw two bona fide cases of demon possession in Korea I've never, I never saw anything like it, it, it I mean I've I took a senior course in psychology my freshman year uh, the, out of 18 different areas of psychopathology that they didn't fit any of them uh, so that's uh, maybe that'll help uh, answer some of that. All right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Daryl Sims. Good morning. Hello, Art. Yes. Mr. Sims. Hello. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, when I was a child, had uh, an experience that I believe was a UFO, uh, the close encounter of the first kind, uh, with my uh, uncle who has since passed on. Uh, and since that time, I've seen I've seen them numerous times under variety of different circumstances and but I haven't had any what I would consider missing time except for that very first time I can't remember anything immediately before or after that first uh, occurrence that I saw and I was wondering if there was any way that you could tell for any uh, you know, I would be glad to help you and answer that question here's what you need to do the very first thing <laughs> you ready yeah go ahead Okay, here's what you do. Uh, one is you either email uh, Daryl, D-E-R-R-E-L, at Holman.net, H-O-L-M-A-N.net, or you call uh, the number uh, 281-587-5455, and on there uh, you'll also get my personal number, and you can talk to me directly if, uh, if you call. My phone bills are over $1,000 a month now. And uh, so I can't. I, I will call people back, but on their dime, and talk to them as long as they want about this. Uh, but on there, you can uh, request uh, or call me on on the internet and request our abduction forms, and I will be glad to uh, get those to you. Boy, are you going to be busy? Yes, I will, and uh, that's what I do. I'm, I'm looking for cases with physical evidence or cases where people uh, can do something about their phenomena or choose to. All right. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Daryl Sims. Good morning. Hello there. Yes. Okay, well, I guess whoever it was, lost we lost him. Uh, first time caller line, you're on the air with Daryl Sims. Hi. Hi, Art. Hello. Uh, this is Spike up in St. Paul. Yes, Spike. And I've got a couple of questions. Uh, about eight or nine months ago, you had a couple of gentlemen on your program. One of them was uh, losing his memory, and his buddy there was deciphering for him. And uh, you had talked about the moon, but somehow the question never got answered. I, I'm, I'm not recalling, I'm afraid, what well, you're talking about. last week you went back to the moon, and this was said somehow, either don't come back to the moon or don't go back to the moon. Oh, uh, now, all right. I was wondering what in the devil has happened because we haven't traveled up there. All right. Um, he's referring to a NASA announcement. Uh, that was made back on the 9th, a, a memo indicating that funding uh, for all manned projects, manned spaceflight, off-planet, off low, uh, beyond low Earth orbit, had been canceled. That's, we, that's what he's referring to. If we take this gentleman's position, it wouldn't be a wise thing to do, because if we're not going to the moon anyway, we should be uh, stealing the money somehow. I think that's the indication. <laughs> so that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. A wild card line, you're on the air with Daryl Sims. Hi. Hi, Art. My name's George, and I'm from Ohio. Hello, George. And I was abducted when I was five years old that I remember. I didn't remember, but it was brought up in hypnosis. And again in 1967 at a military installation in the desert in California. 
and when we were returned, we reported, or I did, maybe I was the only one taken, because I only got the figure, reported it to my platoon sergeant, and I was informed that he and other people out there had seen these things, that this place was Hunter Liggett Military Reservation in California in the Mojave Desert. Right. For a UFO, it would be a stone throw from Area 51. And uh, I was told to keep my mouth shut, and I said no. I wanted it on record, and it was put on record uh, with my knowledge that if I didn't keep my mouth shut, I'd go to the psycho ward, which I did. Uh, and then I was drummed out of the service. But anyway, when I was on this thing, there was five of them. Uh, I encountered what I took to be an angel or a deity of some type or sort because of the way I was just overwhelmed with uh, abundant love and this thing was just so radiant. It was a light source. Uh, and I've heard that's the way angels come sometime in a, as an energy source or, or a form of energy. And... Uh, I just wondered what your guest, uh, if he's heard anything about these things, and if he'd like to contact me later, he can do so. Well, actually, the other way around, uh, you can contact him. Uh, we're hearing a lot of that, and I'm still pretty mixed up internally, Daryl, I've got to tell you, with regard to the spiritual side of this. Very mixed up about this. The... Uh the, the uh, my general information for people, uh, if they're a Christian, uh, there's one the statement that they need to know if they're having abductions is greater is he that is in you than is in the world. And uh, for them, they'll understand that. Yeah, but... Um... For people who are not, uh, they're going to have to find something that will benefit them or help them if they want these abductions to stop. But spiritual things don't leave implants in ears and hands and feet. Oh, this is true. Uh, spiritual in, things in, in don't, view, don't fly around in crafts that can be photographed. Uh, I, I think I think you're on the, right on the money. I think where a lot of uh, people are messed up on this issue is they're confusing uh, demons, which are very real in my view, uh, for the alien. The alien is not a demon. It is something very real and... Uh, uh, and very well used of whatever's going on, of whatever's behind it, and I, uh, what all that is. Yet I don't know. That's why I'm, that's what the investigative part is still working. But as far as uh, uh, it, I think, a lot of people are confusing uh, some of these issues. And one of them is, and a good illustration of this: uh, many abductees will report that they were overwhelmed by love of the being next to uh, the, the gray being or the doctor type that was standing next to them. Right. And if uh, if when if you get someone that really knows what they're doing hypnotically, and it doesn't have to be hypnosis. I mean, there are different ways to do this. You don't need hypnosis to do this sort of thing. You can recover a lot of good memory uh, without hypnosis at all if you know what you're doing. But basically, this is a program that the being will put his eye, large black eye, right next to your face, next to your eye, mm. and in about a quarter of a second, he'll program that entire event. And that's what you'll be left with. Oh, that's the so problem is you don't know what really happened. Yeah. You don't uh, know. All right. Another screen. All right. Here's somebody who wants to go back uh, a little bit in the program. Daryl, at age 17, was able to stop his abductions. It ended violently. What did he actually do to accomplish this? 
in other words, describe that last abduction experience. Well, the last abduction experience I've never told anybody. Uh, that's why the lady that I gave the post hypnotic suggestion to, when she told me, described my last event, why I stood there with my hair stood up, straight up. And the reason is because no one knows about that event, and my wife doesn't even know the details of it. And yet this woman described every aspect of it. And I even asked her, is it you know because you think you're psychic or what? And she said, no. She said, I just overheard what they were thinking. So in my event, and uh, all of my events uh, from uh, me personally, and as I keep saying this, if I could do resist to some degree this at four years old, you can do it at 40. In it, what, can, in, it can be done. Daryl, in what manner was it violent? Can you tell us that? Uh, the last event that occurred, uh, there, the five beings that were there, uh, literally, uh, and this is why people say, you know, well, it must have been a bad dream or something. Yeah. No, because the lock on the door was broken but after they left, and they left a physical object, which I will report about in the book, of course, um, and which I still have. And uh, the, the remarkable thing about the event is uh, is I was physically uh, picked up and uh, uh uh, violently thrown around, and uh, the the event was just absolutely horrific. Uh, I went to uh, my girlfriend the next night, um, and I it started to get dark, and I became so phobic I couldn't stand it. I mean, I just it, you just know they're coming back. Yeah. And I went and told my girlfriend of uh, I mean, I just thought the world of her, and she's as, as fine a lady as you ever want to meet. And she looked at me, and of course, you got to realize you're telling somebody about abduction for the. I mean, no one knew what abduction was back then. Nobody knew. This is back in the 60s. Yeah, of course. And I'm telling her uh, the truth, Mart. I said, I've got to tell you something. I, this is imperative that you understand. And it's important that you believe me. This is just kills abductees to do this. You go out, you live the secret life. You can't tell anybody. And then you do, and then you get this. And she looked at me and said, you've had this terrible, terrible dream. That was her first mistake. Second thing she did was take me to the guy who I was doing uh, scientific anomaly studies, which included UFO work when I was 16. And he uh, listened to the story, and he said, Daryl, he said, when they land, they're going to land on the White House lawn and give the president some kind of gift to study life from another world. And this man's a psychologist. I said, uh, my friend, I said, it isn't going to happen that way. I saw the movie, and it's not going to work like that. Mm. Whatever it is that we think these beings are, or whatever it is that we think that's going to happen, it's not going to be anything like we ever dreamed. And whatever they're doing, and whatever they did to me, I suspect they've done to others. I'm sure you're right. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Daryl Sims. Good morning. Hi, Art. Yes. This is Joe from Wickers. Do the wild thing at 702-727-1295. Say it, huh? Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with Daryl Sims. Hello. Hi, Ar hi, Daryl. Okay. Hello. Um, Where are you? I'm in uh, Phoenix. All right. I uh, I guess I want to uh, tell you what happened to me. Um, about four years ago, uh, I had an encounter where I went to sleep Friday night. Um, woke up Saturday morning completely paralyzed from the waist down and I had a I had a nosebleed uh, anyway for a week I could not walk I could not move well I could move but I had to crawl to the bathroom mm -hmm. and it was, it was a real uh, traumatic experience but 
Um, during that week, I had like four or, or a series of uh, dreams or flashbacks, and the first one was um, the first one was uh, I was shot up into a spaceship. I, I all right, so, uh, caller, you want to hold on for a moment? We are at the bottom of the hour. We'll be right back. This is Coast to Coast AM. I see trees of green. Red roses too I see them blue For me and you And I think to myself What a wonderful world I see skies of blue To talk with Art Bell in the Kingdom of Nye, from east of the Rockies, dial 1-800-825-5033. West of the Rockies, including Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico, 1-800-618-8255. First-time callers may reach Art at area code 702-727-1222. And you may call Art on the wild card line at area code 702-727-1295. To reach Art from outside the U.S., first dial your access number to the USA, then 800-893-0903. This is Coast to Coast AM from the Kingdom of Nye with Art Bell. It is, and abduction is a very difficult topic. It's one of those things that if you have experienced it, you have no question. Well, yes, you do. You have lots of questions, but you know that something really happened to you. And uh, with a number of people who are reporting this now, it deserves a very, very serious investigation. And that is what Daryl Sims is doing. Daryl Sims uh, was CIA. Daryl, um, just as a matter of curiosity, uh, everybody would ask this, so I will. Um, why should we trust anybody who was in the CIA? Well, that's a, it's a good question. Um, number one, I don't think everybody in the CIA is bad. In fact, most of the people in the CIA are people like uh, secretaries and uh, that sort of thing. I mean, they're just normal people. Sure. Uh, the so-called 007 types and so on that do the various different things. And, yes, I did meet some assassins while I was there. They're, they actually did exist. Yeah. Uh, the Cold War has changed a lot of things uh, uh, during that time, and then uh, a lot has changed since then. Uh, the thing that troubles me, and uh, and there again, you know, it would be kind of stupid for me to tell you I was spying on you and then come out here and even try it, <laughs> especially when I'm out here talking. Uh, that because uh, I'm, I'm a, I, I believe we need an intelligence community. I think that's that's a necessary thing. I think it's gotten so big, it's out so out of hand that it viol it's violating uh, every right that we have right now. This whole thing is so out of hand. We better stop it. And you worry about aliens. I'm I'm more worried about that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, they own the internet. I guarantee you, they they can 
They say, well, do they tap my phones? They can listen to you without the phone being lifted. I know. They can do anything. They have technology that's your tax dollars pay for that black budget stuff. They have everything they need. And that's it's, it's, you better not be the alien. You be worried about, you better worry about people doing stuff like that to you, taking the very rights right out from under your own constitution. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Daryl Sims. Good morning. Good morning, Art. How are you guys doing today? We're all right. This morning or whatever it is. All right, hey, I've got this. Um, I've, I've managed to wake up one morning in the middle of like a kind of a bizarre dream, and I actually made some sketches and took some notes down. Um, it was really kind of a, I don't know, uh, where should I start here? <clears throat> All right, I made a little sketch of the room. Uh, it was a strange laboratory-type setting with a blue uh, luminescent light, kind of a, uh, like Tesla's high-frequency discharges, his uh, uh, rendered intensely luminous like wires and stuff like that. And um, what happened is uh, there was like a first notes here I've got are left brain angel and right brain angel scans. There was a, a mold of my skull, um, a strange scan of a skeletal structure, blueprints of existing form of my body mm. um, in this type of thing. And it, what kind of struck me the most, I mean, I made the most notes about it. This was uh, back in about 95 or so. And it was a, a left and right angel scan of brain. And there was a... An out of the ordinary request by one of the uh, one of the subordinate entities, and um, anyway, they went through with like a standard type of probe that was to no avail, and I guess that uh, stimulated the uh, out of the ordinary type request. And it was just um, it was uh, what I'm kind of getting at here is I'm curious about um, what, who who's out there and uh, who's done the who's had like just the dream type stuff. I don't think I've actually been taken up anywhere or anything like that. All right, well, well that happened on the on that, the mental plane. Right, that sparks a very good question. That is, how one is to decide the difference between a dream and an abduction, other than physical evidence, Daryl. What well, is there? The the difference in uh, there are things that uh, show up differently in dreams and abduction scenarios, or or encounters. Not everyone is abducted. That's confronted by the. And I, I love the term this guy used, entity. That's right, a good right, term. Right. I have no idea what an alien is. I haven't the slightest clue. If we use the term alien, we'd have to decide that that's anything that's not native to this planet, per se, that's currently here. Right. Uh, if that's the case, that would be, if you're, uh, uh, as most religions of the world believe in angels, uh, the angels would be aliens in that sense. So uh, entity is an excellent term because it, it, it doesn't, it leaves it open because we, we really don't know what these particular beings are. They may be something in between a bunch of other things. We don't know. And they we, may be, but again, how do you delineate between what was a dream and what is real? Only physical evidence? Physical evidence is the best uh, thing for me. Uh, for other people uh, or in their particular events, there are other things that can uh, also help and assist them in that. Number one is uh, generally you don't smell things in dreams. That's true. There are certain senses, and there are ways to check these people. Of course, the problem is it takes enormous amounts of time to do this. But the, there are techniques that we use uh, consciously, not hypnotically, but consciously, which can determine whether people are hallucinating or or, or not in different levels. And take, this, uh, this, the, is, this is good. Take the experiences, uh, for example, uh, told by Whitley Strieber. How would you class them? Uh, the events that uh, Whitley had in his early uh, in his beginnings, uh, I, I think, are I think he reported those as true and as honest as he possibly could. Uh, 
the events, uh, and I don't know all of the events that he had, and I've not read all his material. Uh, but the, uh, A lot of them were very negative. Uh, yes, they were. And there again, this is what he recalls in the beginning. And, and it seems to me, and, I, and, I'm, and, and there again, I'm, I would be completely uh, guessing here, but uh, for we do see abduction events where the uh, individual will start off with very negative events and they'll end up positive. And what's happened when you work with this person, there again, it depends on who's doing the work, if you uh, study that person, and I'll, and I'll give an example of this, uh, you'll find that uh, many times that the person's finally at some phase, uh, they've fallen under the uh, under the spell, so to speak, and uh, they now accept the the screensaver. A case in point, one of the uh, top psychics in this country, or at least in that their viewpoint, uh, asked me to uh, do the hypnotic work on them in reference to their abduction. Mm-hmm. My response was, why in the world would you want a piece of trash like me doing that sort of thing if uh, you're getting information from the inner planes and inner dimensions and all kinds of stuff and all kinds of super beings are telling you everything? What in the world would you want somebody like me doing any kind of work with you? And they said, please just do it anyway. I said, the agreement is this. If you will admit to whatever we find is true, if we find it's the inner dimensional beings, then that's what we'll both say. If it's something else, we'll say that. The answer was, I agree. Long story short, as soon as I knew that person was in memory, popped them in, into the event, bang, they were on the on a table with 17 other little girls getting gynecological exams. Mm. Screaming and crying, she says, but I don't understand, they never told me any of this. And we talked there for a long time, and finally the lady said, uh, cried and cried and says, Why don't, tell, tell me what, what's going on. And I said, it's not my business to tell you. That's up to you to decide. I'm, I can't make you an abductee or not one. I mean, that's not my <laughs> not my business. We're good friends. Tell me what happened. And I said, well, uh, it just is a personal thought, and that's all. And she says, what's that? And I said, I think the beings that are from the inner planes telling you all the in- amazing information, she said, yeah. And I said, it's them. It always has been. A lot of women uh, who have been abducted have been shown what seems to be, or they are told, are their offspring, their children. This is true. I I can comment to that and tell you some rather remarkable things. My prediction, as I did with the uh, implant business, I'm going to tell you some predictions I think we're going to find in this arena when we finally get our act together. Mm -hmm. First of all, you're going to find... And I have one lady that uh, is agreed to go through the entire process because she claims she's getting impregnated every year. Well, the problem is she has her tubes tied and has been checked uh, by a gynecologist, and uh, uh, there is, there's no problem. But she still gets pregnant every year, and then that fetus disappears in the first trimester, Right. which is the same story you hear. My response to her was the following. The doctors who are going to examine you are not going to believe any of this abduction business, and I don't want them to. It's not important. They're just going to look at the evidence. And what we're going to find, in my opinion, is uh, once a, uh, a test is uh, done, uh, t- we, we can't tell who the father is, but we can tell who it isn't. That's true. I said, so what we're going to do is find out your husband's not the daddy. Well, that's not going to surprise these doctors. But what's really going to happen, if we can get to that fetus before they come to get it, and we can do an amnesthetesis, we're going to find out that probably you're not the mommy. Mm. That's the sugar. You're just the incubator. <laughs> Boy. I said they're using the eggs and sperm of other people. I understand. And uh, just using her in uh, tube side or not wouldn't matter. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Daryl Sims. Hi. Hi. Uh, 
Hi. Uh, didn't expect to get through, so was a little nervous here. Um, my my story is uh, I woke up one morning and I woke up with a nosebleed, uh, completely paralyzed from the waist down. Um, Sounds just like another one we just heard about. And the, the color before me really freaked me out when he started explaining some of the details. Uh, the same details were in my dream or whatever occurrence it was. Uh, that's more than a dream. If you wake up uh, paralyzed from the waist down with a nosebleed, uh, that's more than a dream. I didn't know what it was, but the physical uh, evidence of your of your event uh, suggests something else. I mean, I, I don't know that you didn't get up and fall and hurt yourself or whatever, but uh, what I'm saying is, and I agree totally with Art here, that uh, something else has happened there. It's not just a dream. Um, the Lake County abduction video on UPN, Daryl, even though it was a staged event, yes. did they have most of what occurs during abduction down about right? Actually, uh, uh, I have not even seen the video, so I can't I uh, can't comment in that. In that, you still haven't seen it. Uh, still have not seen it. Uh, all I've seen is an attorney, and he <laughs> he likes he likes the video real well. Does he? Yes. Uh, it'll be interesting. What he likes is is that it, it, he thinks that they're not going to be able to stand in court. It's what he thinks. So he likes the video beautifully. Well, it'll be interesting to see what they do when they uh, re-air it. Uh, first time caller line. You're on the air with Daryl Sims. Hi. Yes, uh, Art. Yes. Um, I've got a question. I had, uh, this is kind of amazing. Uh, I was eight, seven or eight, and in, in this was in 1957 or 58. We had uh, two people who used to appear in our room and just look at us. And uh, I would sit up and be completely wide awake. And about seven, eight years ago, my brother come back from Nevada mm-hmm. to visit, and he goes, you know, Pat, the aliens live in our closet. I never knew he'd seen these people, and I used to be afraid of that room. So we moved downstairs into a little offshoot from a living room, and I woke up, and I was sitting up just wide awake, and a guy stepped into the entryway of this large doorway with a military uniform on, and... uh, I got scared, so I screamed. My folks came out and stuff. And that was in, uh, like, 58 or whatever it was. And then in 1969, I was in Texas. And I was kind of into auras and energies at that time. And this same person that came into my room in that military uniform come around a corner of the booth and pulled his hands apart and so you could see this light. And uh, I got back to Minnesota here, and uh, I was sleeping upstairs just staying at my folks. And I uh, was totally, I could think clear as a bell, but I couldn't move. And um, I was just going to have my brother pull my legs out so I could relax better. And I couldn't speak or anything, and I says, just get the hell off me. And three lights came into my room and circled, and then I woke. I mean, I could move again. Well, again, uh, you know, you should be going through some sort of uh, a regression to find out what really happened to you. 
Um, the stories, uh, Daryl, are endless and seem very similar, don't they? Yes, they do. I've uh, seen a, a gentleman in, in Brazil, he showed me his, uh, a, a book he had of 179 different kinds of aliens. He had studied for over 30 years in Brazil. He said, what do you think of my work? And I said, well, uh, can I be blunt? And he said, yes. And I said, uh, most of them are all the same guy. He said, what are you saying? I said, look at look at the beings. I said, every one of them have got one thing in common. He said, what's that? And I said, look at them. He said, oh, God, they all got black eyes. Yep. I said, that's my whole point, bud. I said, you don't know what these people have seen. And they uh, don't either. Wild card line, you're on the air with Daryl Sims. Good morning. Morning. Uh, this is Evan in Phoenix. Yes, sir. Uh, Daryl, I think you're doing a, a great job. And um, I was I was fascinated when you said you were able to actually have one of your um, your people give thoughts to the aliens. Uh, that's happened several times. And I guess I'd like to suggest maybe uh, this, I don't know how dangerous this would be, but maybe trying to actively read the thoughts of the aliens. Um, because if someone can overhear them thinking, then I would say maybe their strength in programming us is probably also their weakness in that they have an opening into that process. Brilliant. Brilliant. It, 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 see, it's this type of thinking we need, we need to be thinking about. We need to look at this thing from every direction. It's, it's like a, a multidimensional cube you're looking at. Right. It's, not, it's right. not a square. Here's one side, or here's only, it's a two-sided thing. It's this or it's that, and it's nothing ever. It's multidimensional, and we need to be the same way. Great. Okay, thanks. Thank, Thank you, you very much for the call, and uh, take care. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Daryl Sims. Hi. Good morning, uh, Rick and Mississauga. Um, you mentioned uh, physical attributes to an, an encounter. Absolutely. And uh, during dream, what about if you wake up, and your stomach has gone away, and that's the reason that you wake up, because you've either fallen off a cliff, ridden off a cliff, or accelerating upwards in an elevator, or accelerating downwards in an elevator, that sort of thing. Well, we, what we've had in some of the abduction scenarios, the reason some of the people knew that something physically really happened is they were actually dropped on their bed. Drop, and, uh, when drop they have back. a water bed, that tends to shake, and it, it really wakes you up big time. Oh, it definitely does. You're still uh, sloshing around, and you can't figure out what's, why is the bed flopping up and around you, you know, as if you had been dropped from a height of four or five feet. Now, see, that's happened to me in my sleep. Boom! You're, you're just, it's like you're dropped. Exactly. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with Daryl Sims. Hello. Good morning, Arthur. Good morning. Daryl? Yes. Yeah, this is the Magic Christian in Ventura, California. Hey, hey, here we go. Hey, Daryl, uh, I was going to ask you, you hadn't brought it, brought it up in, in uh, your appearance here tonight, if you uh, had done a chain reference on uh, the Sons of the Giant. If I, did I, do I have a... Did you do a chain reference study of the Sons of the Giant? Oh, yes, yes. Because uh, you, you haven't mentioned that in the 20th chapter of First Chronicles, the 6th verse, there's a six-fingered being described there. Oh, I, under, I believe me, I, I understand this. We would have to do a whole show just on that on, on that area. Right. Okay, moving on. Um, I, too, uh, just finished uh, Chuck Missler's book, Alien Encounters, not too long ago. Yes. And I, uh, I understand your, uh, your problem with uh, Chuck's description that uh, uh, indwelt with the Holy Spirit believers cannot be abducted. I do think, though, that that's one, one of the reasons that you've heard the reports of angels, because he said that he would place his holy angels in charge over the... Mm -hmm. Yes. And well, I think the, one of the ways to best address this is, uh, from a Christian point of view, because a lot of people don't understand this, uh, because they keep saying, well, you must not have really been a Christian if you got adopted. 
Uh, That's these, not true. We have people. Uh, we have children. Uh, I have cases of people, children two months old, being taken. I mean, these people have never made any decision one way or the other about anything. But I also have a problem, uh, Daryl, with your flat-out statement that uh, these beings are not demons, because it's, it's evidence in the scriptures that all kinds of flesh can be inhabited by a demon. Why would a demon abduct a two-month-old child? Uh, to do harm. That's that's his job. What if they? What about the ones that don't do harm? Well, if they don't, if they're not involved in actual harm to humans, then then their role is deception. Okay. Well, I, I understand the demon part of it. Believe me, I understand that. Uh, but what we're dealing with here is something that is not demonic. It, it, I'm not saying that they're good or, or, or their their intentions are their intentions to me are very questionable. I don't care who they are. Uh, but what we're dealing with here, uh, and, and there again, we don't have time to go through anything like this here. But if you uh, want to email me at uh, and, and talk to me on email at uh, Daryl at Hallman dot net, I guarantee I'll be glad to uh, uh, debate the issue with you. And uh, we've got a lot of things in common. I'd love to love to, love to discuss it with you. All right, and Absolutely also you uh, give out your phone number as well. Okay, my phone number is going to be two eight one five eight seven five four five five. That's two eight one. Five eight seven five four five five. That's answered uh, twenty four hours a day. Twenty four, and I do return calls. Okay. Well, you've got uh, a lot of talking ahead of you, uh, Daryl, because this is a gigantic, gigantic topic. Yes, I mean, it is. it's just immense. Uh, so I thank you for spending the hours you have with us, and uh, we'll do another program. That's great. And uh, if uh, you want to do that in the near future, I've got a gentleman that uh, is has uh, some inside information on uh, the incredible satellite information that will, I think, actually prove our abduction phenomena. All right. And and I, I know you've got some photographs on the way as well. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that one with uh, the aliens that can be seen yes. inside the craft. Is Same there any touch. chance? Can you get that to us when you get it? Uh, I will have to get permission from them. Uh, first of all, I want to verify and see if it's even real. And all right. second, uh, we'll get permission to see what we can do there. Good, Daryl. Thank yes, you. Yes, sir. All right. Thank that's you. it, folks. Uh, good night, uh, all. We'll see you tomorrow night when Jack Schulman will be here from ACC. Good night.